1: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Week 14 Game by Game Review Edition. I'm your host Ian Hardison. Joining me on this lovely Sunday evening, the one, the only MB Fantasy Life icon, Dwayne the Rock McFarland. What's up, Dwayne?
0: What's up, PFF superstar Ian? If I'm an icon like you, you have to be something even bigger than that. We'll just go with superstar. That was pretty generic. I'm gonna have to up my game, like with my descriptions, you know, for you. But yeah, dude, I'm
1: good. I'm good. How about you? I'm just, I'm getting off saying everyone is the one, the only, like I've started to notice that like every single podcast guest I would have on. And I like to think that we do have a lot of loyal listeners here, Dwayne, but you know, at some point they might call me a fraud if I keep on keeping on with the same (laughs) intros. So we'll continue to watch the film and get better, which we had plenty of time to do today. Six weeks on by. So maybe just maybe Dwayne and I will get through this in under two hours. I'm still seeing pretty strong minus 250 odds that we'll go over that time limit, but we shall see. And with that, let's get after it, Dwayne. Bengals took down the Browns 23 to 10, covering as four-point favorites. The Bengals, America's team, have now covered 18 of their last 21 games against the spread. Remember, good teams win, great teams cover under Dig Cash at 47. So sticking with the Bengals at first, Dwayne. Unfortunate injuries here. We got T Higgins who barely played with a hamstring. We also had Tyler Boyd uh, literally on their first pass attempt of the game have what I believe was only a second regular season drop of the last two seasons. His first one was that brutal drop 18 yard touchdown last week. And his second drop now dislocates his finger. So I'm not a doctor. Seems like when your job is to catch footballs though, for a living, that's probably not good Dwayne. So I'm not exactly (laughs) sure what the timeline we're looking at, but it would make sense that Boyd's going to be working out less than 100%. With Higgins. I mean, it's an injury that popped up on Thursday. Like he wasn't even listed on the injury report going into the week. So we were feeling good about it. Clearly not at a hundred percent. And unfortunately we've seen him have games this year where he barely plays. And I feel like the Bengals probably know that they're not going in maybe with a full snap counts allotment. So if you take them out of the equation, we're obviously looking at just a mega potential, even more eruption spots down the stretch for Jamar Chase than we would otherwise expect. But overall thoughts on these injuries and if there are, could be, hey, some random wave wire darlings down the stretch because not too many uh, wave wire wide receivers with a chance to catch fo- footballs from Joe Burrow.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think whoever gets to settle into the slot role, like potentially, because we know the slot role, you know, you get protected, you're going to play more against linebackers, safety, especially when the, the league runs so much zone, that kind of thing. So the double injury sent Trenton Irwin, the normal slot receiver, he had to go play outside and Trent Taylor, we haven't heard from Trent Taylor in a while, but he was out there playing in the slot, he had an 89% route participation. Um, But, I mean, Trenton Irwin is the one that's kind of shown us a little bit this year, Ian, but not, like, a lot. I mean, he he had a 7% target share today. Targets per route run haven't been high. Like, to your point, like, he could still come through. Like, as Joe Burrow, my thought process is probably that, you know, you get – Hayden Hurst back next week. Hopefully you get the backs more involved in the passing game. That's probably the more likely uh, way that this works out. And then what you just said, like Jamar Chase, like Jamar Chase, he had a 50% target share today. So if you have Jamar Chase and you're heading into your fantasy playoffs, you're about to, you're about to absolutely just freaking destroy some people. Like it's, it's about to go down. Like you're going to be seeing 12 to 15 targets a week. And we all know what Jamar chase can do when you give him that kind of volume. So you should be super stoked about that. We'll, we'll have to keep an eye on it. We'll see what happens with Higgins. It is, it does suck though, because basically they lost him in warmups today. Yeah. And then he comes out and plays just that a little bit, that first drive and Zach Taylor is basically like, yeah, we knew we weren't going to have him. We're like, dude, we well, like, come on, like, let us know something so we can get him out of our freaking week 14, trying to get into the playoffs <laughs> lineups. But anyway, Zach, you know, you've made bigger mistakes than that in your past, so I guess we'll let it go.
1: I need real-life football analysts for this week and beyond to give us a little respect here, Dwayne. We got some big-time playoff races here. I saw one person venture to say that Kenneth Walker doesn't need to be rushed back for their Thursday night game. Well, the hell are you talking about? Of course he should be rushed back, man. We need him more than ever. (laughs) All hijinks aside, yes, with Jamar Chase, it is scary that he still, like, this wasn't a down game by any stretch of the imagination, but he obviously has that one-hitter-quitter ability to take the ball to the end zone from anywhere on the field, even in a game where he didn't have a catch longer than 20 yards, you look up and he's probably going to be a top five finisher on the week. Final note in the passing game, I will just say the Trenton Irwin 45 yard touchdown. Hey, it was a 45 yard touchdown. Well designed flea flicker. I would not expect him to get too many of those on a consistent basis moving forward. Only other thing to talk about on the Bengals side of things Dwayne is Joe Mixon returning to action after missing yeah. two weeks with that concussion we did see him have 59% of snaps a, a, a team high 14 carries however just two targets out there Ryan was still plenty involved and this 60-40 split is indeed different than what we've seen earlier this year now in the past this was more of a problem to get Mixon out there on passing downs but we had seen more 70-30 even 75-25 pre-injury for Mixon how how much of you thinks that Piron playing very well over the past three weeks earned a little bit more of a role, and how much of you thinks that hey they were just easing Mixon back in?
0: I mean, it's tough to say, you know, honestly. But I mean, you you typically don't expect like the concussion to you know, especially when you've had as much time off as Mixon to be a factor. It's like you're either ready or you're not. But I I know that we have seen certain players get eased back in after the concussion, so. It could also be the fact that, to your point, P. Ryan just played really well. Um, it was really back to kind of the mix and utilization that we've always feared, um, you know, for the last two years, which is really around 60% of the rushing attempts. He had 61% today, and then 85% of the long down and distance went to Samaje P. Ryan. Also, Ian, 100% of the snaps inside the 10 went to Samaje. Ooh. Oh, man, it's one for it's one. God, I got to pop this thing open. I did this last week. There was one snap inside the 10. So it's only one. So okay. forget what I said, folks, but it is 100%. I'm not lying to you, but just disregard it. <laughs> um, but the short down and distance stuff, which is really like what we care about the most, that usually translates to the inside the five carries. It was still mixing 67% to 33%. But I do think we have to worry a little bit that P Ryan's going to be a little bit more involved. Now they didn't use the two minute offense today. We have seen Mixon earlier this year really take the two-minute offense before the injury. And so that had kind of been a plus for him, even though P. Ryan was still getting in the long down-and-distance stuff. But it was a lot closer than usual today. Like you mentioned, 59% of the snaps to Mixon, 43% to P. Ryan. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. I I mean, it's one week. I don't think there's much we can do with it right now. Like, we'll probably rank Mixon as a low-end RB1 again next week. And if we see this again, we'll have to adjust. I mean, what? there's not a lot of adjusting we can do. Like, if you're going into your fantasy playoffs and and you have Mixon, like, You're going to treat him like a low-end RB1. We'll see what happens next week. But, I mean, you're still playing in a really good offense. And, again, I think they could get the backs more involved in the passing game. We've really seen it, actually, over like the last several weeks before today. They've been a much bigger factor. So I think that could also be something that uh, could come to fruition if we have Tyler Boyd and Higgins out.
1: Going into Sunday, only Austin Eckler have more expected PPR points per game than Joe Mixon. So, yeah, he's a little bit of room to drop, and he's still going to be a must-start RB1 in lineups of all shapes and sizes. In regards to Piran, he did have two drops out there, also had a pretty nice touchdown run. So I'm not sure that, you know, 60 minutes of time is going to lead to any playing time deductions, but just something to keep an eye on here in the last few weeks of the season. On the other side of the ball, Deshaun Watson and the Browns offense, they did play a lot better in those 10 points look. And hey, again, you guys have your feelings about Deshaun Watson, that's fine. On the field, though, PFF passing grade up 10 points from last week. Yards per attempt went from six to 6.6. Best of all, Dwayne, was just the fact he was more accurate out there. I mean, the adjusted completion rate went from 57% last week, skipping in one ball after another to 83% while actually throwing downfield. Now, it didn't lead to a ton of big results on the scoreboard. They were close on several times, though. I mean, I'm not sure if they're officially going to be drops, but there was actually a sequence where they turned the ball over on like the six yard line because they were moving the ball up and down the field first Cooper had a potential six yard touchdown go off his hands high. And then on the next play, Donovan people Jones had a fade couldn't quite come down with it either. And on the first drive of the game, man, the Browns probably should have scored a touchdown. They bring in Jacoby Brissett on fourth and one, basically like, Hey, we're going to QB sneak it. That's what we always do. They call a well-designed pass and Donovan people Jones was open for a 25 yard score. But Yeah. Ice cold Jacoby Brissett coming off the bench does <laughs> indeed overthrow him. So I look, what,
0: I have to ask, what are what are the Browns doing there? Because like, if I'm the know. defense, I'm got, more worried about Deshaun Watson running. So like, yeah. if the whole idea is that hey, it's fourth and one, you don't know what we're going to do. We may what run Jacoby Brissett. Like, well, I don't get it. Like, I don't under, Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the game is they're trying to play. They also did this for a play last week. So
1: there's clearly something they think they're doing here. I, I, I'm not sure what it is. For a while, Jacoby had that insane like quarterback sneak conversion rate going on, but they haven't been as successful over the past month of action with it. It just seemed like they were getting a little too cute. That said, Jacoby makes what was an open throw. We'd probably be saying, oh, what a great call by Kevin Stefanski's go." all that aside, I'm basically just trying to say the Browns were moving the ball up and down the field. A lot better, I think, than just those 10 yeah, points would reflect if he didn't catch it. That said, Dwayne, we didn't get an incredible performance from Deshaun Watson, but when you add in the 33 rushing yards – He did crawl his way to 20 fantasy points. So it was tough, you know, to exactly trust him this week. What are your thoughts with Watson down the stretch here? Is he still going to be for you a QB one that you would start ahead of guys? He
0: just gave me, he just threw for 276 today, (laughs) which you and I have talked about. That's 325 in the year 2022. Like with the way (laughs) passing games are working, like it's only his second game back. He had six rushing attempts today. He had seven rushing attempts last weekend. So you're telling me you're going to give me a quarterback that's going to give me six to seven rushing attempts per week. And we've even had Stefanski say that there will be game plans where it will be more than that. So we could have weeks where it's more like 10. He gets more involved in the design run uh, game. And I think we're just going to see him continue to get better and better. And I'm like, you, it's like setting aside all the personal stuff. Like I thought this was a big step for on the field. Like this was a nice step forward for Watson. And we're just talking about a fantasy player. That's all we're talking about here. And so for me, with how bad quarterback has been this year, yeah, he's going to be in that low end QB one range. And if he's going to run the ball this much and he's got weapons that he's showing some rapport with with Donovan Peoples Jones, we already saw him show some rapport with Amari Cooper. Well, he didn't really show the rapport like that. It wasn't accurate, like the catchable pass thing with Amari right. was like 30 percent last week, only 50 percent this week. Those two have got to get better in sync. Like if if Deshaun's really going to go off like he and Amari, like they've got to be locked in. Now, Amari was dealing with a hip injury coming into this that he picked up on Thursday in practice or Wednesday. I can't remember when it was, but he had a DNP in there. So maybe that was a little bit of a factor. But what I like is that Njoku was back. He was active Donovan Peoples Jones. So he really has three weapons that he seems to, you know, trust. Um, So I think that they're they have the firepower. You know, it is an offense that can, you know, can use play action, do a lot of nice things. I think it's a step forward. It's going to I don't see how you can't have him in your top 12.
1: I think that's fair. I mean, look, maybe the dreams early on of him just immediately regain that top five form. No, that's probably not going to happen, or at least it hasn't happened yet. But but it could
0: at any moment, like it won't surprise if it's if it's next week. He took a step forward this week.
1: I'm just saying I was getting like the Sean Watson and Mike White start sit questions this morning. And I said Watson, but like, I didn't feel incredible oh, about yeah, it. For sure I am, yeah, definitely feeling better moving forward, though, after seeing much better on field performance. I final, yeah. Go ahead. I still
0: real quick. I still think Watson is one of these players that you could look up. And in your playoffs, he's level setting the field for you against the Josh Allens and the Jalen Hurtses. He still has that upside. It, it, you may not have seen it yet but we know that it's in there. And with some of these other quarterbacks that you're dealing with, like Kirk cousins, it doesn't matter. Like he can get in a great matchup like today and come through for you. But overall week after week, like Kirk cousins, if you're facing Josh Allen, you're pretty much going to feel crappy. You're going to feel like I'm, I'm losing the quarterback matchup, right? You're going to say the same thing about Derek Carr. You're going to say the same thing about Tom Brady. You're going to say, say the same thing probably about Jared Goff. So like he's above all of those is the way I think about it. And then if you want to start talking about Geno Smith, You want to start talking about um, Dak Prescott, names like that. I think he's in that mix with those guys. I think you can make an argument to play one of the others. I mean, Geno's played lights out. Like, Geno's scoring over 20 points per game in fantasy. Like, you can't just totally diss that dude. So I wouldn't blame someone for playing Geno over him. But I think that's right in the range. And I still believe, like, he could be the QB1 on any week. I I think that upside's still there.
1: Low end QB one the rest of the way. Good job talking that out, my friend. Final note here you did mention David Najoka coming back from that knee injury, right back to his every down roll, which was awesome to see. And he's just been so good this year. I mean, Dude. his touchdown just athletically reaching out two weeks after he had that sick one handed touchdown in the end zone. I mean, third highest graded tight end this year in p- p- terms of pure PFF receiving grade. Sixth in the yards per route run Dave Njoku seemingly I'm not saying worth every penny I don't know it's only one year but the guy is pretty damn good at football Dwayne we're talking about top five tight end the rest of the way how about that
0: yeah man imagine if Njoku hadn't been hurt this season like it, it, for every stretch he's been healthy besides week one when he gave us a little scare because you and I drafted him a ton like when we missed on our tight ends like Njoku was kind of like the plan. <laughs> um. But other than the games where he's been hurt or out, like Njoku's been pretty money, man. Like, and and to your point, yeah, he's a top five the rest of the way. Imagine where he'd be if he had been healthy all year. He might be a top three tight end already. So I really like what we're seeing from him. Um, And he's getting some really good looks, um, you know, in the passing game. They're doing some stuff short and deep. Like, they're not, today was really a lot of short stuff. Like, his average depth of target today was three and a half, but he's got a nice role. And it is good to see that he and Watson are kind of starting to maybe get a little bit going together. Who do you think has a uh, who's drafted first next year in ADP? Kyle Pitts or David Njoku? Oh man, I think it'll still be Kyle Pitts when all settles. Like if we had to, if you ran a poll today, it would be Njoku by a mile. <laughs> but I think once you know, you know how it goes. Once everybody, you, just like last year, I remember you and I putting out our first articles with our ranks, and you had CMC number one overall, and it like the pitchforks Shredded. were coming for you. Like you were like, dude, you were yeah. You are an idiot. You how are you, how is this your job? You freaking moron! Um, you know I think I had a hot Javante Williams take before you know Melvin Gordon resigned. Like you know you get lit up for this kind of stuff. But the CMC is a perfect example. At the beginning of the offseason, no, but, uh, he won't even go in the first round. Well, he's the first overall, second pick. By the time we get there, I think Pitts will ultimately be the guy that goes sooner in drafts when all of a sudden done next year. But it could be close. I think Njoku is making a good case for himself if he can stay healthy.
1: Bills took down the Jets 20 to 12. Jets, they cover as nine and a half point dogs, the under cash at 43 and a half. So, on the Bills side of things, couldn't get much going, but when you're Josh Allen, you still find a way to rush for 47 yards and find the end zone. Also, threw a touchdown to Dawson Knox, where he literally flipped into the end zone and did a full somersault without any of his limbs touching the ground. Very athletic play from Knox, but sadly, Knox was the Bills' leading receiver within both terms of both receptions with four and receiving yards of 41. So, this was a floor. Game from the entire Bills passing game and respect to the Jets defense for being able to cause that. And they've been fantastic all year long. Number one explosive pass play rate allowed, number one in contested target rate, number four overall in EPA allowed per pass play. So I think, Dwayne, look, it's Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Josh Allen. We know they're going to have better days out there. The big story moving forward is what to make of what looked like an, an ascension of sorts in this backfield last week with James Cook, setting season high marks and touches and snaps and all that. Now, on the other side of things, Naeem Hines also played a lot more last week than he had in his previous games with the Bills. How did this backfield look to you in the handy dandy behind the scenes utilization metrics? It looks nasty.
0: It looks <laughs> gross. Uh, you know, you had 50% still the singletary, but he's not, he's he the 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 days of him getting that 65, 75, 80, like we saw, even just a not so long ago, Ian, like three weeks ago, we were getting those kind of performances or utilization outputs from Singletary. They're probably over. James Cook was second with 41 percent. And then Naheem Hines was at 17 percent. So all three guys involved um, rushing attempts, though, which is where we saw James Cook really outperforce outperform Singletary last week. It was Singletary leading the way, but man, only only 38 percent. Now, that's including Josh Allen's carries. He had 33 percent. So, like, if you just ran it down to the backfield, Singletary is around half the carries for the running backs. But Josh Allen's a real factor, man. He's going to still carries. So, I think it's just a, it's a challenge, um, you know, for this backfield, especially, you know, whenever you're going to be in a pass-heavy offense. So, they're all avoids for me. Like, I don't want Singletary, Cook, or Hines in my line. I didn't want him in my lineup this past week just because of the unknown. But I was hoping maybe we would come out of this and be like, okay, maybe James Cook can be. No, I I wouldn't have any of these guys in my lineups moving forward if possible.
1: And I was trying to actually kind of equate these backfields to an extent about James Cook and Zonovan Knight not getting too carried away for this week because I just w- was trying to make the point that if you look at where they were relative to where they are now like three weeks ago, yeah, they're big-time risers. That's why we're all talking about them all the time. That's why they're on the cover of all these waiver wire articles and podcasts and all that. But we're still talking about guys in three running back backfields, or at least we were in Buffalo. Dwayne, you spoke it into existence. I did not think you were I, – I, Knew you were trying to tell the truth. I just doubted the Jets would make it happen. Ty Johnson, out of the picture in New York. <laughs> First Jeff Smith is gone. We've gotten Ty Johnson out of here as well. That said, Michael Carter did lead the way in terms of pure snaps. But guess, not, guess what, Dwayne? We don't play in a points-per-snap league. We're usually playing points-per-reception league. Zonovan Knight, all of a sudden, shaping up to be a solid RB2 down the stretch. And don't look now, but this schedule gets tasty. I believe it's a top-six schedule the rest of the way for the running back position in particular weeks 15 through 17 they're getting the lions the jaguars and the seahawks fantastic mixture there of defenses we want to attack with offenses that should actually keep their foot on the gas and be able to score some points in their own right thoughts on zonovan knight here down the stretch
0: yeah, Knight looks great. 77% of the rushing attempts today. So 17 carries. He had two more targets again, two catches. Not not quite as productive in the passing game, but still getting targeted. Only had six yards today. And when you listen to the staff talk about him, they love him. Yeah. And it's not just that they love him. They talk about how he's different than the other guys they have. And you hear still them different. very emphatically. Yeah, they're like, hey, he's not going anywhere. And if you look at him and you watch him run, and if you just look at his nickname, it's freaking Bam. Like, what, what do you think this guy can do? He just stylistically gives them that physicality that they want between the tackles. So I, I think it's a done deal unless he gets hurt, right? He's probably going to be getting anywhere from 15 to 18 touches per game. Michael Carter is now playing the passing down role. He had 87% of the long down and distance work, 100% of the two-minute offense, but only 23% of the rushing attempt. So I think you can very easily see, Ian, in a game where the Jets are winning you know, or they're ahead, you could easily see this be more like, you know, 60% of the snaps and the carries going to Knight and Carter out there even less. Now, if the Jets are trailing, Carter's going to get his opportunities. That's really where he's going to come through, is in the passing game. But for me, this makes Knight low end RB2. Carter and PPR, you know, is like a mid range low end RB3. But in standard half PPR, like he's outside, I don't even, I don't know. It's going to be tough for him to even be in, in standard leagues. He can't even be in the RB3 conversation, in my opinion, like moving forward. Half PPR may be still there in that low end range. But yeah, I think it's a good thing for Knight. And you mentioned the schedule. Like it's just a lot of positive things going for Zonovan Knight right now.
1: Just some context and how good he has been out there. I mean, he forced the week high nine missed tackles on the ground. That now gives him a rate of 0. 0.41, which is easily number one in the NFL. Um, yeah. And Dwayne's laughing. The like NFL he, average is 0.17. Like Dwayne, he's, like, he's tripling that almost. I try not to throw it. I try not to throw random decimals out here where you guys just don't even know relative to how good that is. Like, Javante Williams last year, I believe, set the single season record at like .31. So we're talking about literally like 33% better than that. And that's what Zonovan Knight has been. Small sample size, but I'd rather you be awesome in a small sample size than terrible in a small sample size. The Jets love him. We love him. Zonovan Knight. Inexplicably, Dwayne, shaping up to be this year's Rashad Penny, perhaps. I mean, it's looking Maybe. pretty good for him. Maybe
0: down 24% of his carries today went for 10-plus yards. Like, the dude's not – He's and he's not just a – just uh, sometimes when you think of that early down banger, right, you really just think of a guy, I just grind out three yards. Like, you know, you're talking about him creating missed tackles as yards after contact are strong. Like he creates these longer runs. Like he's I, he's just doing a lot of positive things, yeah. man. It's uh, it, Could it all change at any moment? Yeah, but you and I both know. Like, once you've won the confidence of your coaching staff and you're playing, you know, well at running back, like, volume's king, man, and I I just don't think his volume's going to change, and I don't expect his performances to immediately just suck all, you know, like, turn into, you know, sucky performances out of nowhere
1: couple injuries. Corey Davis did get ruled out with a head injury. Obviously, if he is going to miss some time, that will not put Garrett Wilson already at the top. of the It's Elijah Moore
0: season. Come on. It's Elijah, Elijah Moore season. season. Is it finally here, Ian? We've waited. <laughs> if you drafted Elijah Maybe, Moore, man. you probably, you know, I well, hopefully you didn't have to draft him too early. But, you know, uh, man, 92% of routes today. He led the team in target share, Ian. He led the team at 21%. I don't want to get hurt again, Twyne. I just don't want to get hurt I don't want to get
1: hurt either. I don't want to get hurt either, but I'm I'm here to get hurt. (laughs) (laughs) It's looking good. As long as Mike White stays under center, that is the other injury we got to be looking out for. With his rib issue, he did have to exit and then return twice. I mean, this dude's seriously playing through the pain, so definitely keep an eye on those injuries. But at this point, and we've seen it over the last few weeks, Flacco is the backup, and we've seen Flacco put together some big games with Elijah Moore tentatively Dwayne I don't think we're gonna see Zach Wilson again the rest of the year so definitely Garrett Wilson and maybe just maybe Elijah Moore doing some good things down the stretch maybe Tyler Conklin too. eight targets today but obviously lesser extent than those other guys all right our Cowboys took down the Houston Texans and one that was way too close to capturing the win at 27 to 23 Houston did cover at 17 and a half point dogs the over cashed at 44 and a half so Dak and company not their best game from start to finish you know Houston played spirited it's a week-to-week league Dwayne tough tough to win a football game in the NFL whatever you want to say about this one it was a fantastic 98-yard drive by Dak Prescott and a lot of Dalton Schultz there down the stretch to go eventually win the game with a short two-yard plunge from Ezekiel Elliott so did have a lot of sheeshs that kind of made this game so close in the first place I mean look, love Scott Hansen on Red Zone, but he's like, how is this happening in the fourth quarter? And it's like, well, Scott, I mean, Dalton Schultz dropped a 15-yard touchdown before halftime. That didn't help. They immediately marched down the field to start the second half, and Zeke gets stuffed not once, but twice at the goal line. They have to turn the ball over on that. I mean, they just had a lot of opportunities all game that they just continued to miss out on. I mean, they did score a touchdown on the opening drive, but Michael Gallup probably should have had like a 68-yard house call on one of the first plays of the game. A little bit of pressure and Dak threw it. And I had another sheesh, too, there at the end where Zeke did score, but Michael Gallup probably should have had that two-yard touchdown. Big hit in the ground, ended up forcing it out. So the passing game, like, I'm not worried about CeeDee Lamb's dud. It wasn't opportune for you guys trying to make the fantasy playoffs, but still, anyone's idea of a weekly wide receiver one. How are you looking at this run game? Because we have now seen back-to-back weeks where Ezekiel Elliott, not Tony Pollard, has regained overall the, the overall lead in terms of running the football. Overall, now four weeks of them being back, we do have Pollard still leading the way in terms of snaps at 145 to 127. That said, Zeke does have eight more rushes over the span. Pollard has six more targets. So, As long as the Cowboys keep scoring a shit ton of points, and ever since Dak's been back, they have been the number one ranked scoring offense in the NFL, I think both guys, Dwayne, should be in far more fantasy lineups than not. I mean, this matchup helped this week, but I know a lot of people with the buys, with the matchups, I mean, you could argue they were both RB1s, and even if not, again, guys that should have been in far more lineups than not. Having 32 teams playing next week, though, in a Cowboys offense that isn't going to be playing the Texans every week. Thoughts on how we're treating Pollard and Zeke down the stretch in this fairly evenly split backfield.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, Zeke, I think since Dak's back now, he had 17.1 today. I want to say before that was averaging 17 and a half points, basically, per game in PPR. And so he's going to hang around right around that. I think the way the Cowboys are using them right now is perfect. And the main part is Tony Pollard, 64% route participation today. He handled 52% of the 2-minute offense. Zeke still got a little bit of the passing down work, but most of the long down and distance all went to Pollard. That's all we've ever asked for. We've always said, look, fine. Keep Pollard at 35-45% of the rushing attempts. Let Zeke handle 50 to 60, but let Pollard play more of the passing downs and actually throw Pollard the ball, right? Yeah. Earlier on the season, like there were a couple games where he had the routes and they weren't getting them getting him the ball. So yeah, I think this is, you know, because Pollard still has that he has that big playability like he's basically, you know, in the role, you know, that we're looking for a lot of times when we're drafting guys in round three or four of fantasy, right? That's kind of what we thought Travis ETM would be this year, right? Under 50% of the rushing attempts, but getting the passing down work. It's what we thought about DeAndre Swift last season when we drafted him. We'll talk about him more later, you know, so he's kind of in that mold. And I mean, he's making the big plays. So I think Pollard's fine. I look at him as a high-end RB2, low-end RB1. And I look at Zeke. He's a little more matchup dependent Ian, but I think you just have, have to give him credit like he's shown like over these last several games like he can score. So I think he's more of a low end RB2, but not quite in the range where I think of some other guys that are complete boom bust like Deonta Foreman. There's some other guys that you have to mix into that group. I think Zeke's like a tier above them, right? Just because the Cowboys quality of offense. So maybe that makes him more of a mid range RB two. but Dallas is also a run first, not a run first, but they're a run balance, right? If we're going to Madden and we're picking out our playbooks and you got to pick Dallas, they're probably calling it either balanced, pass balance, run balance, like somewhere in there. Um, today they had to throw a little more because it was unique. They were, But even though they trailed most of the game, they only dropped back 59%. That's below the league average for someone trailing as much as they did today. So I think both guys can be fine
1: in jacksonville next week and that should be a game with a game total well over 50 have seen jacksonville i mean look ravens went for 162 on the ground against them a few weeks ago certainly think that at least for next week before we get to the eagles and titans two big stiffer uh matchups down the stretch we can be feeling good about both these guys other side of the ball seriously Hey, real, spear- quick, on ca- yeah. real
0: quick on cowboys so two weeks in a row we've seen dalton schultz up over the 80% route participation last week 91% this week 86% like his targets per route have been great like every freaking week he's just been battling that mcl injury this is the healthiest i think we've seen him he gave you 14.7 fantasy points um, today as long as he keeps this route participation up where it's at and he continue, he had a 26% target share today he led the team So I think Schultz is top three tight end the rest of the way. Now that we've finally seen him in back-to-back games out there in a full-time role, seems like the knee's better.
1: You put him over Kittle if Debo's
0: out? Yes. I think you just have to, man. Like, he's getting targeted way too much. Like, Kittle Kittle definitely is, you know, moving up the ranks if Debo's out. But, I mean, Schultz is just, dude, we got to give him credit. Like, he's earning targets like crazy. He's doing he's doing more I than I thought he could, like from a, ability to earn targets so far. Um, you know, these last several weeks, like duties, 23, 24, 25, 26 percent every single week targets per route run. But now the routes are there and that's how you get
1: today a 26 percent target share. If he's not at three, it's at four. So I'm not going to you know, completely, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about breaking your glasses or anything on this one, Dwayne. Okay, All right. On fine. the other side of the ball, I usually don't have many good things to say about the Texans. Let's not get too carried away here. But <laughs> Damian Pierce did go ahead and find the end zone, I believe, for the first time since week eight. Look good out there. Did unfortunately suffer an ankle injury and was ruled as questionable to return. So, Dwayne, I don't think there's any value to be had here if Damian Pierce misses time because we did have Eno Benjamin even working his way into the fold with Dario Gubowal and rex Burkhead continuing to do their thing if damian pierce is out are you going to have a houston texas running back ranked inside the top 30 i will not
0: no in fact like i we've got um a data viz you know awesome person that helps us out over at fantasy life anthony Reinhardt. you guys can see him on twitter you've probably seen a lot of his cool stuff but I, i submit to him usually on sundays or monday morning like guys that we want to see some data viz stuff on For guys that got injured, and we want to see what did the offense look like after they left. I didn't even put the Texans on the list (laughs) because I'm not using Dari Ogunbowale or Rex Burkhead, and I had already seen that Eno didn't really play much. Like Eno would be my guess, right? Like if I had to pick one up and use him, it would be Eno. But I was like, I'm not even gonna make him make a visual for this because like I just it's just freaking nasty,
1: and I'm not telling anyone to start any
0: one of these dudes like in their in their fantasy playoffs.
1: Rex Burkhead last year did win some people uh, some money when he had that big week. He won Levitan like you look at this, man. Yeah, but I mean, look, they got the Chiefs, the Titans, and the Jaguars these next three weeks. So maybe we can build something up here against the Chiefs and the Titans, figure it out, get a reasonable Week 17 matchup. At a minimum, Week 15, no, we do not feel at all good enough about this. Still evolving situation to trust anybody with a fantasy playoff game on the line. Finally, though, someone else to talk about. We have Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins out of the picture. Chris Moore, 10 catches for 124 yards, almost had a touchdown, got down just short of the one yard line there at the end of the game look the one thing that pissed me off about chris Moore, dwayne is he wears number 15 so it just makes me sad about the entire will fuller situation every single time he kept making a play out there but putting aside just my own ridiculous biases and inability to get over a player that hasn't played in like over two years he looked good out there that said if nico collins is going to come back next week doesn't seem as severe as brandon cooks but you know both guys seemingly didn't have that much of a chance of playing this week I don't think this offense can we look, we haven't seen the offense enable even one consistent fantasy pass catcher. I think it'd be, you know, pretty ridiculous for us to think that two could emerge down the stretch. Let's say Nico and cooks do stay out thoughts on Chris Moore here. And I said, those matchups weren't good for the run game. That said, if we do look at the chiefs and the Titans over the next two weeks, I mean, those are two teams that we consistently yeah. see bottom five and fantasy points against wide receivers.
0: Yeah, I think you can put Chris Moore in the wide receiver four conversation like you don't you. I don't think you'll ever really know which week is he going to pop his head into the wide receiver three range like this week. He's really wide receiver two pushing on the wide receiver one threshold. You know, we'll see how the rest of the week. It was a pretty bad week for receiver. Right. You've already we've already talked about, you know, Stefan Diggs and where he finished, uh, you know, and there was a lot of guys that didn't score many points today at the position. So Chris Moore is going to end up with a really good finish. He's not historically been someone that's played really well, Ian, and he's been in the league for a while. So these kind of guys, it's tough to really see consistency. Like, could it happen? Yeah, but it's it, it, it's, it's tough for me to think of him any, any more than a thing like – sorry, tough for me to think of him as anything more than a wide receiver. For mass you know, credit to him, like coming out here and doing it today. And look, he is a guy we've seen him from time to time flash. Like, he'll pop up and have a big game. Um, wasn't he with Baltimore before he was with, he was with the Texans last year, but I think before that he was with the Ravens for several years. And he, he even there would come through with occasional games. This was definitely probably, this was probably his best game of his career. I haven't gone back to look at it yet, but yeah, wide receiver four, man.
1: I'm actually pulling that up right now. I'm curious now, join to see it had to be the best game. Yeah, of it's player. gotta I mean, be
0: like it's from a target perspective. I would have a hard time believing he's ever had more. He may have had a, a similar yardage day. I know he's had a two touchdown day somewhere in the past. I think last year, actually with the Texans, he had a two last year day. with the
1: Texans. He had a 109 yard, one touchdown game against the Patriots. So that was a solid performance. performance. Yeah. Okay. Chris Moore, pretty damn good at the game. One more note. Join. We actually have multiple notes here with the Texans. Jeff Driscoll. Had not played an offensive snap since week two. And he comes yeah. out as like their secret weapon, basically playing a hybrid mix of quarterback and tight end. I checked. They're Taysom yeah. Hill? It's it's like a middle class man's <laughs> Taysom Hill. I did not know there was a lower <laughs> class than Taysom Hill, but we now have Jeff Driscoll. He has tight end eligibility on Yahoo. Dwayne, oh, he does wow. Not, he does not have it on ESPN. So ESPN, no. The answer is no. On Yahoo, though, I mean, he took he threw six passes. He had seven rush attempts. I mean, (laughs) I can't believe we have to do this again after the whole Taysom thing. We need to see another week of this, but like they have already. It's actually a a stronger profile
0: than Taysom because he throws the ball more. Like he's got he's got seven dropbacks. Like Taysom gets lucky to have
1: two. And like I actually think that Jeff Driscoll is capable of throwing a catchable football from time to time. Like with his (laughs) history of uh, being a quarterback, I mean. I don't think that Taysom Hill is going to get a chance to start over Dalton down the stretch. Dalton as much as we want to say oh it's Dalton like he's really played great football relative to Andy Dalton this season. What if Jeff Driscoll gets the starting job in like week 16? Man, he'd be a top 3 tight end probably. Like Jeff Driscoll as a quarterback, we'd probably have yeah, to start if he over, over full time. Yeah,
0: yeah, we would. If he took over full time as a quarterback, the only you you wouldn't start him over Kelsey. No. Now, oh my gosh. <laughs> Mark Andrews, like, needs to freaking do something. <laughs> you might start him over Mark Andrews. I mean, like, look, Mark Andrews, like, all the underlyings have been there, but, like, he hasn't performed well in, like, six weeks. So, I mean, Dwayne, yeah, We got I, some I th-
1: teams. Th- we got some teams with, like, Doncho Hill. Who we'll talk about if that injury is serious. But, like, some of these random handcuffed running backs, man, Jeff Driscoll's on the radar. <laughs> I can't believe it, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is where we are. Yeah, but no, I mean, hey, I was saying a couple weeks ago, Taysom could be that potential wild card league winning lottery ticket out there at tight end. You Apparently really now Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll. Yeah, that's what I meant, man. That's all it is. So, all right. Lions took down the Vikings 34 to 23, covering as two and a half point favorites, despite the win discrepancy over cash with ease at 51 and a half. So Lions offense, you know, it's our weekly routine. I list all the Amon Ross St. Brown receptions in his last 16 games now, not impacted by injury. 10, 8, 8, 9, 8, 8, 8, 8, 9, 6, 7, 4, 10, 7, 9, 11, most recently 6. Just always good to see that even in a relative down game for a Monrock because he's not going to be a wide receiver one that he pretty much has been for last calendar year still look up and he has six catches for 68 yards Chark Reynolds and Jamison Williams scored touchdowns unfortunately did not see Jamison Williams usage continue to rise he just had a completely broken coverage 41 yard touchdown on his first career catch so as much as I want to believe in DJ Chark Dwayne someone that we were Not overly high on before the season started, but I think we respected enough in the offense where he was going. That was always built, though, on Jamison not being involved. We've seen DJ Chark when he came back from IR, ease back into action. Clearly they're doing that with Jamison Williams. Are you confident enough in Chark or Reynolds holding off Williams to trust them down the stretch? Because this Lions offense is balling. Goff is throwing for 300 and three touchdowns with consistency out here. Thoughts on non-Sungad Lions receivers?
0: Yeah, I mean, you could have the rug pulled out from under you like at any moment with it. But like, uh, you know, on one of my main event teams today um, with Dave Hubbard, like we put DJ Chark in our lineup. We put him in over Jamal Williams. Like we just felt better about this game, you know, for Chark. So we'll have to see. I think right now, Jamison, you know, he only had a 15% route participation. um, So they didn't just have him run block, you know, the whole time today. He actually got to run a few routes other than the one that he caught for a touchdown. But for now, yeah, I do trust Chark. Um and it could easily be Josh Reynolds, right? That that gives up some of the playing time. It probably Ian turns into a three-way rotation between those guys. Khalif yeah. Raymond is definitely it, jameson Jamison Williams kind of passed Khalif Raymond today. Um they were pretty close, but it could be a rotation with all those guys. I think the only one that's for rest of season where we just know they're locked in Panay is the Monra. Oh, yeah. 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 Panay. Yeah. <laughs> Panay Sewell is the best receiver on the team. You know, you I'm sure you, you good saw that there, catch. Man. You look good. I'm sure you saw that catch. But uh, Chark would be second for me. Like, if I had to rank them today, rest of the season, I would still rank Chark like he's doing it, you know? He's out here leading the team. You know, he didn't lead the team in air yards today. Josh Reynolds did. But over the last two games, over the last three games, like, his air yards have been really good. What I what I like is it's complementary, right? What he and Amon Ra St. Brown do are, like, opposite things, yeah. right? Amon Ra's going to work the intermediate. The underneath, he's going to keep the chains moving. Now, he makes big plays, too. But Chark's really there to, to stretch things out vertically. You know, so I think they can coexist together, but it will be interesting to see what happens with Williams. The big thing like here is really swift. Yeah. Like swift today. We look, it was really the same, honestly, as, as almost as last week, Um, except the rushing attempts went back down again, Ian. Like last week we saw the rushing attempts get up to basically right around 50%. They dropped back to 21%. He still had his passing down role, had a hundred percent of the two minute offense, but Freaking Justin Jackson got 73% of the long down and distance. Like, I I don't get it. I I don't understand it. But, like, we really thought piecing it all together, the injuries have been there, had been off the injury report for a couple of weeks. The coaches were talking positive about DeAndre Swift. It really felt like everything was coming together for him. And I know sometimes we can wish cast because these players, we know they're good. We know DeAndre Swift is awesome. So we want him to be on the field. And so I know that that sometimes can cloud our vision, but I was pretty surprised today to see the way this worked out. But, like, the the snap splits, 38% to Jamal, 33% to Swift, 30% to Justin Jackson. Jamal got 50%, you know, of the rushing attempts, whereas last week, like, it was down, like, around 40. It wasn't even quite to 40%. So, it's going to be interesting. Looks like a nasty three-way committee, um, and it's going to be hard. Like, you're, you're playing in a good offense, so they could come through, but it's going to be hard to rank them, this is going to be my challenge. Like, you know, I feel like right now, None of them I can trust enough to think about it. Anything above like a low-end RB2.
1: When you can't even get your lead back with a snap rate, starting with a 4, like a a 45% snap rate is gross, but we're talking about 38% is the leader. That is rough. DeAndre Swift now touches since returning from injury. 10, 5, 7, 8, 9, 18, back down to 9. So yeah, man, like with a full slate of all 32 teams playing, I don't know if any of these guys are going to be top. I think... Swift will still crack the top 24, just some full PPR, but it's going to be lower, man. Like, certainly not the step forward that we were hoping we were going to get after last week. Clearly, Justin Jackson isn't going anywhere. And how? I mean, Craig Reynolds, I know, is on IR, but he could be nearing a return too. They want to keep three backs involved. As long as they keep scoring, hey, I mean, even when Swift, I listed to those touches, I mean, there were weeks where he still saved his value just by being good and getting to the end zone. Just not going to be easy, but great job by the Lions offense. Again, Though first four games of the year, number one scoring over the next four games. They were 31st ever since then, second just behind the Cowboys. On the other side of things, Dwayne, Justin freaking Jefferson. 11 catches, 223 yards. Should have been an even bigger day, man. I didn't see this one live, but I got uh, thrown to my attention later. Twitter's cool like that sometimes. Had this 39-yard gain late in the game, fourth quarter, should have been a 71-yard touchdown. It did not look like he stepped out of bounds at all, but they blew it dead. And when they blow it dead, you can't you can't you know take the extra yards he had. So really, it could have been an even more nuclear game. It didn't impact the final score like that drive ended with a Cousins touchdown to KJ Osborne, but just incredible from Justin Jefferson. And as friend of the show, John Daigle notes, Justin Jefferson is now on pace for 1961 receiving yards, only three yards shy of Calvin Johnson's single-season record of 1964. So Hey, man, number one receiver in receiving yards since 2020 now. Jefferson, Devontae, Tyreek, Stefan Diggs. Who would you want on your team if you could pick one for the next three weeks? Oh, it's probably Jefferson.
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, look, like he can do everything. And I mean, if you're just saying three weeks, though, it probably is still Tyreek. Like, I feel like Tyreek yeah. is just insane. As long as his health I mean, is good. Freaking, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's But man, what a list. Like. Yeah. I mean, you're not going wrong with really any of, any of these dudes. I love all of them. Um, but I, I do think that like Justin Jefferson, like what he's doing, like is, it's just such a complete game, Ian. Like, you know, Tyreek's got obviously the elite speed, right. Out of all those guys can burn you from anywhere, but like Jefferson, like just his ability play and play out, you know, to, to get open, you know, and he can still beat you deep and do all the other things. He, nobody else has cheetah speed, but it,
1: Yeah, he's just an all-around baller, man. Like, I I love him. Dalvin Cook, just 15 carries for 23 yards. Did find the end zone to help save the day. But as we talked about, like, Dalvin Cook hasn't been disappointing this year. His workload has been disappointing relative to past years. I want to say coming into this game, he was like the RB12 in PPR points per game with the RB13 and expected PPR points per game. So... Career low marks in targets per game and accordingly receiving yards per game will do that to a man still going to be someone in the top 15 with better days ahead. Just wasn't out there today. And yeah, Kirk Cousins, 425 yards, two touchdowns, hell of a job for big time throws. Just didn't get the one thing that matters in real life, and that is the win uh tj hawkinson keeps on keeping on i mean he's going to be a top five six guy the rest of the way so we actually have started to build back a little bit of a tier of tight ends Dwayne. i mean for a while yeah, there a was bit. like beyond kelsey what do we have and i know it can still be rough i saw the leaderboard from last week but yeah at least in minnesota as we've seen for a lot of this year pretty condensed offense even old man adam Thielen found the end zone today so yeah minnesota vikings i know that we've talked about how actually you know What's their fraud level based on you know their wins and losses and then some of the other point differential metrics? But at least for fantasy, man, a lot of good things happening here. You got anything else you want to go for, Justin? No, man, we're
0: good. This this offense, we know what this offense is. We can move on.
1: Jaguars took down the Titans 36-22, to 22, covering obviously as three-and-a-half-point dogs. The overcash out of lowly 41-and-a-half. Trevor Lawrence, man, just continuing to rack up the big weeks. Last week wasn't incredible against the Lions, but guy gets pretty hurt, you know, with that toe before halftime. Won't give him a break. So, really, since he had that two-interception stinker against the Broncos in Week 8, Only Joe Burrow has a higher PFF passing grade. That's not your cup of tea. He's 12th in yards per attempt and 4th in adjusted completion rate. And if you say, Ian, we don't care about real life. This is a fantasy football uh, podcast. That's fine. QB 9, QB 10, QB 5. Had the QB 18 dead last week. He's probably going to be this week's QB 1. We were saying before, Dwayne, about Deshaun Watson being low end QB 1. Would you start Lawrence over Deshaun the rest of the way?
0: I think they're right there together. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I I would not blame anyone that does. Like, he's hot right now. Like, he's definitely on a heater. And it's good to see, Like because we weren't for sure. Like, we had seen a year and a half of Trevor Lawrence, and we just weren't for sure. Like, were we ever going to see it? I'm with you. These last several games, it is starting to come through, despite, you know, last week's, you know, stinker, if you will, against the Lions. You know, I know he got hurt in the game. The bigger person that I'm concerned about on this team, Ian, like, what the hell is going on with Travis Etienne? <sighs> like, Dude, like he's getting, he's 71% of the rushing attempts, 75% of the snaps, still getting the two minute offense, all the stuff we want. 17. Get, nah, it's, I get it. It's a tough matchup. This is the toughest run defense in the league. The Titans, you know, it makes sense, right? The Titans are one of the most run heavy teams and they want to stop the run. I guess, I guess you're good at what you practice. You know, you know, if you're playing against the freaking Titans running game every day in practice, like you probably get really good at stopping the run when you got to deal with Derrick Henry. Um, But yeah, ETN. I do wonder. Like, is there just is the foot just not right? Like, he just doesn't look the same. He doesn't seem as explosive. Um, It's problematic, and he's not getting any targets. Zero percent target share um, today. So, it's 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 tough to stop running him out there, you know. But like ETN, definitely the confidence uh, meter is down for me.
1: Yeah, I will say, you know, we saw him face the Lions last week, and that was viewed really as this giant smash spot. And to be fair, I mean, we just saw what the Lions did the Dalvin Cook. I know they're probably still going to be ranked as a 32nd ranked score in defense, but they have done a good job against the run in recent weeks. So I'm not so sure that I'm going to write off, you know, ETN as just not being a good rusher the football. But he has had struggles in the passing game, and I think a lot of those drops could be contributing to games like this where they don't involve him in the passing game. And that's just been the unfortunate part here, Dwayne. It's not like Jamichael hasty or any of these other guys. I mean, there wasn't a single running back target out there. Jamal Agnew had three who they kind of use him in a gadgety way, but you know, he's still officially a wide receiver. He's not getting consistent, you know, pass blocking snaps or anything like that. So I think ETN you've said this about other guys in the past. It's unfortunate, but he has kind of the workload and the profile of an RB one probably got treat him more as a mid tier RB two.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. You know, maybe, maybe high end RB two for now. Um, And knowing that he could bounce back at any moment, I I do wonder if there's something going on with the foot, because since that game, like, I don't know if that's coincidence, coincidence, you know, or not, Um, you know, he wasn't listed on the injury report at the end of last week. So I'm assuming like he's good to go. But like, since that, since the foot issue, like he just
1: hasn't quite looked the same they did cut Daryl Henderson. So I don't see any reason that this workload is going to be going anywhere. Certainly not making quite as if you uh, thought thought his foot
0: really was hurt. Like, would you be cutting? Henderson exactly yeah
1: yeah. well at least the passing game is thriving Zay Jones did have another two drops out there but (laughs) was catching the ball long enough to haul in eight catches for 77 yards and a touchdown again Lawrence has made so many good throws over the last few weeks but that touchdown probably should have been picked went right through the corner's hands but then into Zay Jones's so better to be right better be lucky than right sometimes Zay
0: Zay Jones is the model for Chris Moore Chris Moore look at Zay
1: Jones he did this (laughs) down the end
0: last year remember you and I kept we were like can we buy into Zay Jones? No, we can't buy into Zay Jones. Like, and he kept Zay doing Jones. It at the end of the year, and then we looked at him this year. Can we buy into Zay Jones? He did it at the end of last year. Now nah, we can't buy into Zay Jones. <laughs> like, he's out here, he's playing well. Now I know it's hit or miss because you know typically Kirk is really more the centerpiece, um, and it's hard for all these guys to go off. But with Trevor Lawrence playing so well, there's just more room, you know, for everybody to really come through but Zay Jones has played great. So Chris Moore, like if you listen to this podcast, look at what (laughs) Zay Jones did. If you can keep that up the rest of this year, you might get paid like Zay Jones. And guess what? Ian and Dwayne could be talking about you next year on a podcast.
1: We'll say that Zay Jones, you could argue he dropped a 21 yard touchdown out there at a minimum, put him down at the one yard line. And then he dropped the very next pass that basically had to kill the drive. ETN did almost save the day. He got just short of the goal line. T-Law had a little read option for a touchdown on his next play. So, Kind of buried the lead here my apologies but evan ingram 11 catches 162 yards and not one but two touchdowns out there absolute blow performance and i jokingly tweeted that this would probably be big enough to make him a top five or i said a top three tight end you know for the season long stretch at this point point. and i was wrong not top three but the tight end four shout out to the athletics uh jake seeley for crunching those numbers for me so evan ingram Dwayne. Tight end four on the season. Just one consistent, great performance after another. Always hanging our hat on Evan Ingram throughout this tight end four performance throughout this year. Man, is this the Taysom Hill? Sucks you missed it. Don't chase a game. Or is this the look at the ceiling here? How can you have Ingram oh. ranked outside your top five, top six? I think I had him tight end eight or nine this week. But you know how it is. Once you uh, rank he's- the top five or six guys, it's like, who knows? He's a low end tight end one.
0: That's what he's been. He's shown us some flashes already. Um, And we've talked about him in the past. We've talked about it. It's tough to predict which other player besides Christian Kirk. Now, Christian Kirk didn't have a big day today. It's tough to predict which one it will be. But Zay Jones has shown that he can do it. Evan Ingram has shown he can do it. Marvin Jones, not as much. He's had a couple of okay games. Um, But now with, again, Trevor Lawrence playing so well, like it's really, you know, it just really brings everyone up like another level. So I don't think it's something where you're going to rank him in your top six, but we have seen two good games in a row. We've seen other good games earlier in the season, but he could easily disappear next week, right? Next week, it could totally be Christian Kirk has a 30% target share. Zay Jones has 25% and Evan Ingram has 10%. I don't think he's established himself as a must go to guy in the offense that keeps him as a low end tight end one for me, but Hey, now you've seen like, Obviously, he's not going to have another game like this, but you have seen there is ceiling here. And so that's always good to know.
1: Last week when we got the Titans and we were like, oh, okay, should we be worrying about Derrick Henry over these past three duds? No, because look at the upcoming schedule. And this was step one of that 121 yards and a touchdown on the ground. We did lose two fumbles. The second one's kind of iffy, man. I thought that was more of (laughs) like a muff snap. You had a tweet. What was he on pace for after the first quarter? Oh, bro. It was like 396 yards. Like the fact he only he only had two rushing yards in the entire yeah. second half. Like the fact he finished with only only one hundred. You thought you were getting forty
0: out of Derrick Henry today after the first quarter. Like well, so it was kind of, it kind of sucked that we you might get it, get it next
1: week. We got the uh Chargers next week, dead last in yards oh, after contact yeah. allow per carry coming into Sunday night. And then we get the Houston Texans who have gone four straight games, allowing two hundred plus rushing yards and two touchdowns to Derrick Henry. Oh. So yeah, uh not that you were ever considering removing the big dog from the starting lineups, but if he got you to those playoffs, I have a feeling that he could be leading a lot of you to championship glory. Unfortunately, we did see Doncho Hilliard get carted to the locker room. I did not see any extra details, but someone in our live YouTube chat, and hey, always appreciate you guys, and the positive mindset. Just here to talk ball. Great day to be great. As always, they were basically saying it was a special teams play, and he got knocked, like probably knocked out, concussion stuff with Hilliard, which, that's terrible. We never want to see anyone get concussed, and I've always got to lead us into it. I've suffered several concussions in my own right, so I feel like I can say this, but The concussion is going to take you out a week or two, and the leg injuries are probably going to end your season. So just in terms of getting him back, it feels weird to say that we prefer the concussions. That's probably not the right way to say it. The fact he got concussed means he might not be out for the entire season. But, man, just with Doncho Hurry, we were talking before the show, Dwayne. It's someone that if you look at the running backs at the top of the fantasy leaderboard, all the handcuffs and who's, like, actually still available, Doncho Hurry was sticking out as a guy where you brought up your 2018, you know, just complete awesome team you had rolling into the fantasy playoffs. Gurley, Le'Veon, just the absolute best group of guys. And then Deion Lewis, out of nowhere, actually, you know, <laughs> had to go win that championship for someone else. I thought Dontre Hilliard could potentially be that guy with the Derrick Henry injury. Now, knowing he's out, though, does Hassan Haskins become someone we're interested in? I'm not so sure. We have seen Julius Chestnut pretty evenly involved with him throughout the season.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, Hilliard's fine, um, because I do think he fits the profile that you're talking about. But, uh, I mean, we'll have to see. The the other big name here on the, on the Titans – uh Chigosim Oconquo Ian yeah, Tide. in, baby. Baby. Yeah. I think well, I think we we both had tweets like within probably an hour of each other last week and we didn't know. And we both Yours is each like, okay,
1: turn. so when I'm like grinding on Wednesday, I'm I'll article podcast and I'll tweet stuff, but I'm not really scanning it. And so Dwayne tweeted almost like we're, maybe, maybe I'm, I blew my cover, Dwayne. Like people can just tell that I'm a, I'm full of shit now, and I'm just like copy, I'm just plagiarizing all your tweets after the fact. But like literally, like the four same metrics, and we're like small sample size. And you even said maybe we're getting Oka I think I actually said that right, the Albert O. Because as soon as I started seeing these metrics, number one yards for outrun, number one yards for reception, I was like, this is Dwayne's new Albert O. <laughs> But for this week yeah, with Traylon Burks back. out, we saw him go out there and keep making plays, man, like he's really done all season. Yeah, man,
0: the route participation still wasn't where we wanted it to be, but we kind of knew that wouldn't be the case, only 52%. Um, but he was getting to play some from the slot, which we saw last week, 54%. So I think in games without Traylon Burks, like if you need an upside tied in, like, hey, we played him in a couple of uh, FFPC lineups today. Like put him in there over. Uh, I can't remember who we had to to bench for him, but uh, oh, Trey McBride was one. Like we had some where it was just like, I'm like, man, he's probably going to play half the snaps, but at least like he's played well. And so yeah, he came through, man. 16 and a half PPR points today, six targets, six receptions, 45 yards, and a touchdown. But yeah, I think the underlying data just tells us this could be a potential star in the future. Again, to your point, very small sample uh 25 percent targets per route run today that was you know really the best on the team for anybody that actually played a decent amount of time today um for the titans so yeah he's a guy that i think you look at still he's a high-end tight end too he's he's gonna be boom bust you know he's gonna be a boom bust guy because what tight end his, isn't though no no you're right like but they're gonna limit his. they're gonna limit his workload that's what's gonna hurt him yeah. right not the fact that he can't ball out it's the fact that you know he's only going to probably be out there like what did he run today like how many routes did he even run like cuz you know the Titans want to be they they well and the Titans trailed today so they the, the Titans dropped back to pass 74% of plays today that is like that might be their season yeah. high <laughs> um they don't they don't drop back that often anyway i don't have it right in front of me like how many how many
1: routes he actually ran today he's but gonna be, he's going to be Gen Z Jonu. like that's what he is and that's fun
0: yeah it's going to be yeah it's going to be like uh you know you're going to be hoping for 20 routes like in the role that he's in, but like, if he can come through, um, I, I do think Traylon being out is, is definitely a factor.
1: Eagles took down the Giants 48 to 22, covering easily as seven point favorites over cash at 44 and a half. Eagles got there all on their own. And just another week of this offense looking unstoppable, man. I knew they'd be able to run the ball against the Giants. I mean, league worst defense in rushing yards before contact per carry going in, which is why, you know, we were so much back in on the Miles Sanders experience after last week's disappointing game against the Titans pass funnel defense. But when they threw the ball, I mean, Devontae Smith's going out there making one big play after another. Another and i hate to criticize him but he probably should have even had another touchdown 21 yards where he just couldn't quite get that second foot down i mean miles sanders even almost had a 30 yard catch down the sideline on a throw from hurts that was fantastic i mean jalen hurts out here was efficient as a passer and i don't even think that tells the entire story just some of the things he was able to do scrambling and still making throws off script and off platform and that's the big difference uh not to group they, they play football very differently but jalen hurts and like tua Hurts can be so good in and out of structure. And I just haven't quite seen the same from Tua out of structure. That said, who has the higher ceiling in structure? You know, we don't need to go in the whole conversation, but Jalen Hurts, man, fancy real life. The dude has put, you know, a quarterback's job is to score a lot of points. And this year only the chiefs have done a better job of that than Jalen Hurts in this Eagles offense. So it's something we talked about last year in the offseason, where it's like someone like Jalen Hurts, even their floor, just as a run heavy, Quarterback who can, we saw last year, like to change the game and just force you to defend him differently. That alone gives you a pretty nice floor. We've seen that when Lamar Jackson and the Ravens can't really get the ball going through the air. They're still an above average offense. But when you combine that, you combine one of the league's best rushing quarterbacks with someone putting up as good at passing numbers as anyone, you have the league's second ranked scoring offense and there's freaking amazing fantasy options everywhere. So Jalen Hurts, fantasy, probably not MVP because I guess that's Josh Jacobs, but probably runner up at this point, Dwayne.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude, like if you have Jalen Hurts, you love it. But there's really nothing else we got. We we know what this offense is. It's pretty well condensed. The backfield looked the same. To your point, Miles Sanders. When you get the nice matchups and you know the efficiency can be there, playing in a really good offense, that's the weeks you really want to, you know, make sure you you're going to start him every week for the most part. But he definitely has shown that he's very sensitive to the matchup. Like we've definitely seen that with Miles Sanders, but when you're in offense like this, it scores as much as they do. Like miles Sanders is definitely going to have his opportunities. It is nice to, I, I love your tweet that you put out every, you know, every week, you know, it's like, Hey, miles Sanders, zero touchdowns on X number of touches last year, you know, and how many does he have now on the season total? Oh, funny you ask, man. I, I happen to have it
1: pulled up right here. Zero dude. touchdowns on 163 last year, 11 on 222 11. this year. I'll say this though, Dwayne, you know, I think we're pretty good about not trying to say that we could go out there on the field and make this pass or make this catch, but maybe Miles Sanders doesn't need to be coming to us saying that he could step in and just become a fancy analyst because he said that <laughs> not to draft him seems like a pretty bad call on your part, Miles. So joke is not us for not drafting Miles Sanders, it's on Miles uh, as I'm just crying as the entire Entire family leaves (laughs) with their belongings let's talk about the Giants strain just again another down performance from saquon he got you guys a lot of really good weeks in the first half of the year but just hasn't been there lately and i don't know man he had two catches for 20 yards like early on in the first second quarter i thought he actually looked a little with a little more juice than he had in past weeks i didn't this, like completely think the neck injury was necessarily holding him back. That said, it is a neck injury and then you look at the snaps and clearly yeah. even if I didn't think it was holding him back the Giants seem to think so because this got split right down the freaking middle. Breda, Brightwell, Saquon looks like they all played within a snap of each other all, all huddling around yeah. that 33% mark. So Saquon did still find a way to get 11 touches but man, that is some rough usage. Blowout game script aside what are your thoughts on Saquon the rest of the way?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's still going to be in the RB1 conversation. We just need him to be healthy. Like, that's the main thing. We're just going to have to monitor, you know, what is Saquon looking like for next week? Um, because we we now know that if he's limited all week, like a potential outcome is that we get this 30%, you know, every back having 30% of the snaps again. He still led the team with 47% of the rushing attempts, but we've just been used to Saquon being the, you know, that true every-down workhorse, right? Getting 75 to 80% of the rushing attempts, all the passing down work. They didn't use him at all today. Uh, on the passing downs well seven percent of the long down and distance he didn't play any of the two minute offense that went to Brita so we'll just have to monitor it but as long as he's healthy it, yeah it doesn't look like it did earlier in the season and and the Giants look Brian Dable's done a great job but I think over the last several weeks we're starting to see like the Giants just don't have the talent on their offense some or on their team period that some of these other teams do and it speaks to the coaching job that that staff has done but this is a team that's struggling and I think we're starting to see what they really are. And that's obviously trickling, trickling down to Saquon Barkley. Um, So we'll have to wait and see with the health, but I think at a, at worst still a low end RB one, as long as he's healthy.
1: Daniel Bellinger did suffer a rib injury, so keep an eye out on that. Was not able to play as usual every down roll accordingly. We had Richard James pop off a little bit. I will say those seven of those nine targets came in the second half with them pretty much in straight up comeback mode. I don't think the Eagles were playing, paying too much attention to him at that point. So Darius Slayton remains the only wide receiver that I'm even somewhat it, okay playing. But even then, we're talking a wide receiver four.
0: What's up? I didn't I didn't see any notes on Slayton if he was hurt. It was it was definitely his lowest route participation game, but it could have also been blowout. Let's just rest our starters kind of thing. So, yeah, I they, put, had they put
1: Tyrod in at the end, and like that's when Richard. Oh, yeah, was I saw Tyrod go in. Okay, okay, cool. All right. Yeah, cool. T- Ty, God, Ty God threw a touchdown. Love to see that. All right. Ravens took down the Steelers 16 to 14, the battle of backups, backups basically. Ravens plus two, uh, cashed under, I'm sorry, you know, it cashed. Good one, Ian. Under 36 and a half also cashed here. So with Baltimore, Tyler Huntley got sent into the concussion protocol and ruled out after just 12 pass attempts and nine carries. He got nine carries just in that short span. That is wild brought in Anthony Brown. I do believe we saw Harbaugh say that he's optimistic that Huntley has a chance to get through the uh, protocol and play by week 15. I believe based on how their playoff odds are looking, like they really don't need to rush Lamar Jackson back. I think I saw some reports this morning saying that week 16, a little more realistic there for Lamar. So really Dwayne, we're going to keep, I, I've been calling him this like Mark Andrews is a, you're going down with the ship type of fantasy player. Yeah. Like, come on, we just can't, we can't bench the guy. I know it sucks. But it's Mark Andrews. Like at this point, I don't have anything else. Like he's come on. He's the reality is he's probably playing hurt.
0: Like since he got hurt in week it was, I believe it was week six, even though he came back and he played before he missed time. Like since then, he's not been the same Mark Andrews. Now he's still getting the targets. He's still getting all the routes, just like you mentioned. 89% uh, or sorry, 96% route participation. No other tight ends get that like Travis Kelsey doesn't even get to be on the field that much, 27% target share. So he's not just out there. He's earning targets, but only 50% of his targets were catchable today. So it's just, there's a lot of things going on with Mark Andrews, but yeah, I agree. You're just going down with the ship. It's still hard to not rank him, you know, as the second best tight end in fantasy, like just cause you keep seeing this every single week. You're like, well, it's eventually got to break his way. Like I wrote about him to this week in my rankings. I'm like, you know, he's kind of due. Um, well, he still do. Like I could just copy and paste the same thing. I don't even have to write that next week, Ian. I can just paste it over and reuse it for the article. Um, looking at the twenty-seven percent target share we saw today, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you. You just got to ride this thing. Um, you know, the other thing, the other thing. I got to go to you. Like you're the Ohio State Buckeye guy. What What are your thoughts on JK today?
1: I thought you were going to say Georgia losing sleep over <laughs> Dwayne. Those are my uh, yeah. thoughts on it. Was, no, it was. No, no, I won't do see. that to you. It was good to see. I do kind of agree. I saw Dr. Evan Porras from Fantasy Points. He's been on this pod loads of times over the years, but I mean, he brought it up too. even the 44 yard run Dobbins had, I mean, wide open hole. And I was kind of surprised he didn't house call it to be honest. So it was nice that he did find the end zone on the next carry. It's too, it's hard to really look at a 15 carry 120 yard performance and not be impressed. I, not, I did not get eyes on every single play this game though. So more on that, but Once again, Gus Edwards averaged over five yards per carry in his own right, and then you pull up the stats and the usage, and they're awfully similar. So, yeah, Dobbins and Gus, if they can keep averaging five, six yards per carry like they have over these past years, they're going to be just fine. I'm not all that optimistic in keeping up, though, especially without Lamar Jackson next week. I mean, Dwayne, if it was only Dobbins and Gus, I'd feel better, but we still got Kenyon Drake coming in, stealing almost a fifth of the snaps. Dobbins, okay probably back into that Isaiah Pacheco, Jamal Williams, maybe even Zeke Spear, like that low-end RB2 area, but we're not going to get any targets. We had none here. There's never – I'm sure the Ravens will tell us, like, in July, that's always a fun off-season storyline. They're going to throw the ball more with their running backs this year, but it's been a a lie, a good three or four years running. I don't think that's going to change here coming into Week 15. For me, Dobbins, low-end RB2, borderline RB2. I'm not going to be chasing this performance and calling him a must-start.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you hit on all the all the main things. 39% of the rushing attempts, but still Gus was involved with 34%. You mentioned Kenyon Drake playing some of the passing downs. So, it's just we need we need Kenyon Drake to just kind of go away and we really need one of these guys to like be the 50% guy, right? And then the other one get 30%. Uh and then the quarterback can handle like the other 20%. But that's not what we have so far. And as much as we may get excited about Dobbins, I don't know that we will see it this year. Like, I mean, what's the incentive for them to just run him into the ground? I mean, I guess as we get closer to the playoffs, if he's looking stronger and stronger, I mean, maybe that happens. But it's kind of one of those things that it's going to have to be proven to us. And even once we see it, the next week we'll be wondering, is he going to get it again? Or is it really just going to be back to the way it used to be?
1: he's a 15 to 20 carry running back with no pass game role. Like it sucked like Deontay Foreman in an offense that we probably feel a little bit better about on a week to week basis. So that's all fine. JK Dobbins was someone that we didn't know if he was going to play football again this time last week, but I think similar to guys like Zonovan Knight, like James Cook, let's remember it's okay to get excited. Just try to keep that relative to what we should be expecting the rest of the way. On the Pittsburgh side of things, we did see Najee Harris find the end zone. Still, though, 57% snap rate. rate. They are not saying they're in love, but if they are, it's fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Jalen Warren continuing to play far more than any RB2 that we've seen under Mike Tomlin's, really, and especially Matt Canada's Pittsburgh Steelers offense. So really with Najee, I mean, he didn't even have a, okay, no, he had three targets out there, but. When Najee is going out there and he can't even get 15 touches, man, like, no, he's not going to be able to make up for the inefficient production that we have seen now for two years running in Pittsburgh. So not adjusting anything with Najee. He's someone that I don't think is a must start and hasn't been a must start for quite a while now. Whether he's going to be even in the top 24 down the stretch remains to be seen. And the passing game, man, like we did lose Kenny Pickett. Another confusing concussion protocol thing. I'm not sure if he got injured again, but he initially got clued to return, then he got taken back out. I think I saw he's not officially concussed. He's just in the concussion protocol. So here we are, Dwayne, <laughs> December 12th. I still have less idea of what a concussion is than ever. We just see Trubisky come back in and we could go through a specific stats between both of the guys. They've both been really bad this season by whatever metric you want to pull up. And accordingly, we have Deontay Johnson with a league-high 113 targets without a touchdown. George Pickens still flashes once or twice a week, but not getting enough opportunity to feel good about him moving forward. You got anything else to say about Pittsburgh? It's been one of the more disappointing offenses. in the No, league
0: no I mean, we know what this offense is at this point. It's pretty much the same story each week. So, I mean... Yeah, we can
1: move forward. Chiefs took down the Broncos 34 to 28 looked like this one was getting out of hand early, but credit to Denver for covering at the end of the day at plus nine over cash with ease at 44 and a half. So starting off on the Chiefs side of things, hey, one of those games, you know, Mahomes and Josh Allen, they just have that fantasy gene in them where they, yeah, they probably don't have a great real life game. I mean, Mahomes threw three interceptions and was a major reason why the Broncos were able to kind of claw their way back into this in the first place, but we still have plenty of that Mahomes magic. And when you look up in fantasy, that's all we care about at the end of the day. I'm sure this will result in a Another top five, worst case top six or seven performance on the week. And a lot of that yardage was going to Jarek McKinnon, Dwayne. Now, he's someone that we've talked about. On this podcast, as like a nice little late season edition, I'm not going to say I was, you know, screaming from the rooftops to stubborn specifically this week, which is funny how that always seems to work out. But this was always a thought with McKinnon, who now this year, man, he's outscored Isaiah Pacheco by a good 17 fantasy points on the entire season because of how much more those receptions are worth than rush attempts. I mean, think about that, man. Specifically, 16 more PPR points than Pacheco this year. Pacheco has an extra 42 touches over McKinnon, but when they're all on the ground, it just doesn't really matter, especially when we're not getting the all, the full-time goal line role with Pacheco that we usually you know assume is going to be there for the early down back in the equation. So on the one hand, in Kansas City, it is just a two-running back backfield, and the fact McKinnon can have these sorts of performances is great, but we've also seen long stretches of the season where McKinnon's role hasn't been all that different. Different, and he's not nearly this involved in the passing game. So that's on how to treat Pacheco and McKinnon moving forward? Because it seems like Pacheco is still going to be able to give us those 15 touches per game. And hey, number one ranked scoring offense. We saw it most of the last three, four weeks. He usually will find the end zone once, but not exactly a guarantee. Pacheco versus McKinnon, rest of the way.
0: Yeah, nothing changes for me. Pacheco's the one you can start. McKinnon, like if you're playing a 16 teamer and it's PPR, sure you can throw him out there but we just never know when it's coming. Like, and, you know, today obviously came through in a big way with the six, you know, receptions, 113 yards, two touchdowns through the air. And that one play from Patrick Mahomes was insane. Ooh, you know, just the, the flip. little flip, you know, and then there's nobody there to cover him. You know, so it's almost like a busted coverage. It's almost like the Tyreek picking up the fumble thing. It's just one of these weird plays where you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll take it. I'll take the 50 yards and the touchdown. But I think your point though is still, you made it last week. Like McKinnon is one of these guys that if something happened to Pacheco, oh my God, like what you could have with Jarek McKinnon would be huge. And he's still not rostered in a lot of fantasy leagues. Yeah. Um, So he is a guy that could be a true difference maker. You think people were excited about Travis Homer this morning? Can you imagine <laughs> if all of a sudden Pacheco was out, what people would be doing for McKinnon? And rightfully so. So I think this is just a really good reminder of that. And we've seen the Chiefs in the past like suddenly dwindle down to where there's kind of a guy they got to use and it can be really good and i mean that makes sense like look at the offense that we have yeah. here but yeah Pacheco's still the guy that you can play as your low end rb2 mcKinnon tough to have him in the lineup you know unless you're playing in a really deep league but man absolutely shouldn't be setting on waiver wires
1: Two other guys we always talk about in this offense, Travis Kelsey, another letdown. This one was more on him than anything. I mean, he dropped a 10-yard touchdown and was officially charged with three drops on the afternoon. So, Dwayne, you know, unfortunately, we you know we got to hold our guys accountable. Got to bench Travis Kelsey here down the stretch in <laughs> fantasy. I kid, I kid. And good news, guys. Judas Schuster did overcome these back-to-back duds he's had since coming back from the concussion. Team high 11 targets, he caught nine of them for 74 yards and a touchdown that was more so Patrick Mahomes, scramble drill induced. But guess what? That's one of the main reasons why So many of us were told to draft Joe Juju back there in the summer. So, hey, right there in the top 24 again, Dwayne, thank you for talking me off a mini-ledge with it last week. He's had the route participation back in a good amount. And, you know, I definitely felt good after digging a little bit deeper into this Broncos defense and seeing that they had had some troubles against uh, receivers, spending a little bit more time in the slot this season. So, Juju, Kelsey, Pacheco, McKinnon to an extent, and obviously the godfather of them all, Patrick Mahomes, feeling awfully good going into what's a. Pretty smashable fantasy playoff stretch. On yep. the other on the yeah, yep. go ahead.
0: Nope. Sorry. We're good. Feel good about all those. Yep. Go ahead. Broncos. Brock Ian. Let's talk about the Broncos. Love it. Love you,
1: Dwayne. We we are excellent transitions sometimes. All right. With the Broncos. <laughs> Russell Wilson. Man, he was coming back, honestly, playing some of the best ball we've seen this year. And I get it. That bar has not been high. Uh Three touchdowns, though. I mean, we hadn't gotten that since that Raiders game that happened freaking forever ago in week three or week four. So come back. He's going to have to get some more toilets now. I like, ah, no. you know. Come so on, man.
0: <laughs>
1: I wasn't going to bring it up, but all right, uh, look, man, I, I don't I... want Yeah, I don't know. He kind of gets concussed. I feel like we can lay off the bathroom jokes for a week. But you know what? It has been a long season of it. So we'll see if Russ can clear that protocol, get more passing touchdowns than bathrooms in that mansion. And yeah, I want him to be healthy enough to compete for the bathroom title. I think that's a fair way of putting it, Dwayne. But with this offense, we also have Cortland Sutton out of the picture, which led to the Jerry Judy explosion. Not one, not two, three touchdowns for those counting at home. Cortland Sutton has one touchdown this entire season. Judy only had six touchdowns in his career coming into this game I mean it's good to see Dwayne this was a reasonable enough matchup for Judy and with Sutton out of the picture I didn't feel good about it necessarily but I still had him as you know an upper end wide receiver three that I did answer you know some levels are sick questions confidently enough with him. overall confidence level and Judy continuing to come close to booming down the stretch if we are getting Brett Rippey under center
0: yeah I think I, that doesn't honestly worry me that much because Russ has been so bad. It probably won't be worse than Russ. Now, Russ, to your point was playing well today. You know, so maybe there isn't, I I just don't, I struggle to think all of a sudden there's this new ceiling for the Broncos offense after all these weeks. So honestly, Brett Rippon is probably the same thing. Almost. I hate to say that, but as having Russell Wilson, I think the bigger factor is when's Cortland Sutton going to come back right now. I think Jerry Judy, we're starting to see is probably the better player than Cortland Sutton probably think,
1: he for sure is
0: yeah so yeah. yeah I mean and when he's been on the the problem is availability for Jerry Judy we never get to see it long enough right and so but from a pure standpoint of looking like when you look at all the targets per yards per route targets per route run all that kind of stuff like he looks better than Cortland Sutton um, he's always been a guy that we know has flashed the ability to get open right and look like he could ha- he could have some explosive play you know, ability to his game, but, you know, he's just never been able to piece it all together. So it's nice, you know, to see this game today for Jerry Judy. If you are a Jerry Judy fan, like this is your day. Like you've been, you've been waiting for this, but I do think when you get Cortland Sutton back, like it just makes it that much more muddy. I think you'll probably still be ranking Jerry Judy as a right now, like this week, I had him as a high end RB, uh, high end wide receiver three. If Cortland Sutton's back, like he probably drops to mid range, low end wide receiver three. Cause Cortland Sutton's a wide receiver four but it's just enough to be a pain in the ass, right, for Jerry Judy and the fact that Dulcich is still playing well. Like, Dulcich had an 18% target share today. So in a bad offense where you've got three mouths to feed, that's not good. If we can get it down to just being two, we saw Dulcich have a nice game last week. This week it was Jerry Judy having a nice game. You know, that's we can handle that. Like, But once there's three of them, that's a problem.
1: We do have a winnable stretch, Cardinals, Rams, and Chiefs over these final three games. So if Sutton does stay out and we can finally condense everything around Judy, yeah, we'll be feeling better. That said, I'm with you, Dwayne, in terms of ranking it. Like when Judy was out all those weeks, we didn't feel good about ranking Sutton higher. We don't feel good about ranking anyone higher in this offense because of how bad it's been all year. I mean, 28 points. That's the most points of the entire season. I think they were sitting at 23 23 points was their season high point total in a freaking December football game. Absolutely ridiculous. And I don't think we're getting a running back to ever emerge out of here. I mean, Latavius Murray is now back into a three man committee though. Mike Boone did suffer an ankle injury. We'll see, you know, how bad off he is, but Marlon Mack, man, Blast from the past, return of the Mac. What a jam. 66-yard catch and run on a screen. Had a nice stiff arm along the way. So that's probably enough to at least make it a two-back committee. And we couldn't even confidently start Latavius Murray when it was a one-back workhorse situation, Dwayne. 2022 Latavius Murray with the Broncos and like 2018 Kalen Balage with the Dolphins. Those are the only two times <laughs> I can remember having this like 15 <laughs> to 20 touchback and being like, no, I'm good. I I see the utilization. I recognize it. I am good. I continue to be good on Latavius Murray and Marlon Mack the rest of the way. 49ers took down the Buccaneers, 35-7. to Brock Purdy blowing out Tom Brady. What a time to be alive. Two claps for you, Brock. 49ers covered three and a half over cashed at 38 and a half, just ever so barely. So we're Purdy. Looked. he completed two passes for, I believe, zero yards in the second half. So this was not a situation where, you know, he had to completely put the team on his back for 60 minutes and all that. But guess what? Mr. Irrelevant has been, you know, jammed down our throats all freaking week by the mainstream media. We get it. Now he's Mr. Relevant. Okay, move on now. He's just the quarterback at this point number eight highest PFF passing grade of the week, fourth in yards per attempt, third in adjusted completion rate, just a 5.9-yard average target depth, but guess what? That's not really abnormal in the Shanahan offense. All those yards count equal in fantasy land, so who cares about the style points involved? Thoughts on what Purdy can do for this 49ers offense, Dwayne. Pretty good first step, and again, not crazy. We've seen guys like Nick Mullins you know, be able to, C.J. Bathard even, at least have relevant fantasy guys emerge from this offense. And especially with things continuing to condense, I am confident that Purdy can, you know, maybe not lead them to Super Bowl, but at least keep this offense above water.
0: Yeah, and we talked about it last week. Like if if there's any offense in the league where you can just have someone drive the bus, like it's this one. You've got plenty of weapons. You've got someone that schemes it up with, you know, Kyle Shanahan. So, yeah, I think it's fine. Um, You know, Jimmy G wasn't lighting the world on fire. You know, I mean, I think you're you're looking for 200 to 250 yards passing out of this offense, you know, each week. I know it was 186 today, but to your point, they didn't need to do anything in the passing game in the second half. They only dropped back to pass 41 percent of plays today. So that means they ran the ball 59 percent of the time. So I think that will always be a challenge if the 49ers, you know, and they've got a good defense. They've got playmakers so they can get out the leads in these kind of scenarios. You're just not going to see them. Feel that they've got to really do anything more than just run the ball in the second half of game so that'll always be a challenge but it's great for christian McCaffrey, man you know we got another game today where we did not have you know uh, it's our third game in the data pool right without elijah mitchell since he's been a 49er and it looked really good again and he wasn't playing at the end because it was a blowout that's when jordan mason really got most of his work today so McCaffrey, top three running back maybe your rb1 the rest of the way, like 29.3 fantasy points today, 68% of the snaps, 79% route participation. Amazing. I don't even need to name all this crap. Like it's 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 Christian McCaffrey. Like he's doing Christian McCaffrey stuff. They're still not, they're still trying to protect him on the ground Ian. They're not giving him, you know, 60-70% of the rushing attempts. He had 40% today, but very efficient on those plays, you know, and
1: we know how the 49ers offense can work. With McCaffrey, 33, count them, Dwayne, 33 consecutive non-injured or traded games with 100-plus yards and or a touchdown. Man, if, like, he's going to finish with 99. I'm going to be setting a hangnail at some point. But this still is at least semi-true at this point in time. With the passing game, unfortunately, we did have Debo Samuel suffer. was believed to be a high ankle sprain, could very well, and I would say likely will knock him out for the remainder of the regular season. Hopefully, he can get back for some January football. at The 49ers will certainly be participating in so if you take Debo out of the equation Dwayne yeah we'll see a little more Danny Gray maybe some Ray Ray McLeod Juwan Jennings just has a little more consistent role but really this could finally condense the passing game down to Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle obviously though Christian McCaffrey also a candidate to lead the way during any given week thoughts on how Debo Samuel impacts the rest of this offense
0: yeah I think it's huge for Kittle Um, they really are battling for targets in a similar area it's also huge for McCaffrey really Ayuk You know, he's the guy they go to against man. He's the guy they go to deeper down the field. So I don't think his role's really changed, you know, that much, right? Since CMC got here, obviously there's a little bit less to go around. They're trying to work everybody in, but I think it's the biggest for Kittle. Um, McCaffrey was already start, was already really getting his. So he and Kittle had a 25% target share today. Um, That's only five in a game where you didn't have to throw the ball very much. But if we get in a game where it's a little more competitive, that could turn into seven or eight. You get seven or eight targets to George Kittle a week. You're going to have some really good things happening. You know, you're, you're going to get some ceiling performances out of Kittle. So I, I think it is an exciting time to be a George Kittle fantasy manager. And maybe,
1: maybe he can really come through for us down the stretch. On the Buccaneers side of things, you know, you know, Dwayne Byron Lefkowitz doesn't care about fantasy football. He's trying to go out there and score points this. and win real life games. And I, I went on, I will he, he and Arthur rant. Smith,
0: yeah, they're, you know, but they're,
1: no, they're but Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith goes on this rant after they like win a game and they scored 30 points and they're like, Hey, how come Kyle Pitts didn't get more targets? And he's like, cause I don't give a shit about Kyle Pitts's targets. When we're winning games and scoring a lot of points, it doesn't quite hit the same way when Leftwich is trying to make that. And your offense has scored what now seven points in the first. Like excluding that crazy comeback. This offense has to be able to score all freaking season long. They're 27th in points per game going in this year, and that's going to fall and be even lower after this one. So we can continue to go all the way around all the metrics that points it's being a bad offense, but you guys got lives. We don't need to continue to bury Leftwich. But come on, man, just don't come at fantasy football for no reason. Like, you know, you know what's making a lot of money for uh the real life football, a lot of people paying your salaries, Byron Leftwich, the taxes coming out of fantasy football. All right, I said I wasn't gonna rant now getting right into that. So apologies, Dwayne. Back on track here. We did have Leonard Fournette playing through the pain as he's been doing, and he's continued to keep on keeping on carving out a major role in this backfield. Last week, it was 60-40 in favor of Fournette. This week, Rashad White did have the slight lead. That said, it did seem to be more of a thing, honestly, where the game got out of hand and it just kind of kept White out there. Him losing a fumble in the fourth quarter, I'm not sure that's going to help matters. Had a nice... I mean, look, Leonard Fournette, it's one of those things too where... This is even, in my opinion, based on what we've seen for the entire season, Montgomery to Herbert, Pollard to Zeke to Pollard, those ones I can really wrap my head around. But like Rashad White hasn't been this world beater this entire season behind Leonard Fournette. If anything, they both just really benefited from being in an offense that's throwing the ball to running backs more than any other offense other than the Los Angeles Chargers. So for me, Rashad White, Leonard Fournette, Whatever. They're just guys at running back, but when they're going to get five to eight targets per game, today Rashad had five, Fournette had seven. That's the role we're looking for. I mean, you look back at the Cleveland game when White did get to have the featured role. He wasn't incredible, but he got a ton of opportunity, and that's all we're looking for in fantasy land. So in this one, I'm not sure. I don't think we're going to see them both finish as top 12 running backs again like they did last. I think they were both uh, top 20 running backs, excuse me, last week. I don't think they're going to get there without either of them having to score a touchdown. But with Rashad White and Leonard Fournette, Dwayne, I think both guys are going to catch five passes more weeks than not. And if you can guarantee five receptions for a running back, it's going to be tough to keep them out of, what, worst case, kind of that upside RB3 range. What are you thinking about these guys for the rest of the year, assuming they're both healthy?
0: Yeah, they're they're in the high end RB three range, low end RB two. You don't know which one's going to be where. The problem with them, right, is they're fine if you're using them as your RB two. You don't want to flex them though. Like you'd rather use a receiver. Like you'd rather use a receiver that's going to be on the field. You know, Um, so that that becomes the challenge with guys like this. Like if you're loaded at receiver and you're and you're stuck with Rashad White or Leonard Fournette as your RB two, and you've got a really nice RB one, you're fine. You're golden. I don't want to be playing these guys in my flex though. that yeah. that's where it gets it's tough for me. seventy two percent of the rushing attempts, you mentioned it, you know, so that's for Rashad White. So we'll see if that's if if that were something that that all of a sudden stuck that would change things for us, right? We would then feel like, okay, well, fine. Rashad White at that point would move into more of that mid-range RB2. Now, Leonard Fournette did get most of the passing down work, 69% of the long down and distance, 62% of the two-minute offense. So if you will, Ian, you know, Leonard Fournette is the Tony Pollard in this one, and Rashad (laughs) Rashad White is the Ezekiel Elliott. Um, But... It's Yeah, they're, they're fine as your RB2. If you're having to use them as a flex, just not quite as ideal unless maybe one separates from the other. But I'm with you. I don't really see it happening. And it very well today could have been more to do with the, you know, Leonard Fournette coming in with the sore foot and trying to rest him at the end of the game.
1: Have you seen anything when they've been together, Uh they lean more on Lenny in the red zone? To just the eye test, it seems like whoever's on the field kind of stays on the field.
0: Um, yeah, no, I've just seen it be a little bit more random as well. It's kind of like, Hey, who has the drive? Who was out there? Uh, I know a lot of people tried to make a big deal of that last week because Rashad white scored the touchdown. Um, like, man, you look, we like Rashad white too, but I feel sometimes like I just have to be anti Rashad white because so many people are for Rashad white that I have to be like, okay, can, and you already did it. It's like, can we tap the brakes? He really hasn't even been better than Leonard Fournette. Like they both, they, 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 they've both been similarly poor. And you've already said it, the way they score their points is catching the passes.
1: One of those things where I think Rashad White has been a little better. I agree with the eye test. It says he's a little more explosive, but when neither guy is averaging more than four yards per carry this season, like, can we really be freaking out about either one that much? I would not. Unfortunately, Chris Goblin's streak of six-plus receptions comes to an end. Still did finish with five. Would have had that six if he could have caught a short touchdown. Unfortunately, he dropped it, and then Russell Cage came out of nowhere. He's been back the last few weeks. He catches the touchdown, so that was a nice little sheesh there for Goblin managers. But man, this was just I've said throughout the year I don't think Tom Brady's arm has fallen off his body. We've said how this isn't exactly Peyton 2015, this isn't Drew Brees in 2020. This was probably though Tom Brady's I think worst game of the season from a pure throwing the football accuracy standpoint. This reminded me of Rodgers is a game against the Titans on Thursday night where it's like OK, I don't think this has been him all season, but if you just watch this game like you could very well have those takeaways and I wouldn't blame you based on this specific 60 minutes of football. So, I mean, he had Scotty Miller, who I know he has the freaking catch radius of a house cap, but really open on a potential 44 yard score, badly underthrown Julio Jones, 68 yard score, badly underthrown Mike Evans, wide open nine yards in the end zone through the ball at his feet again wasn't all on Brady he had the goblin drop that turned into a gauge touchdown he threw a 68 yard touchdown to a wide open Mike Evans that got nullified on a holding penalty so it's just unfortunate man like Brady if he's not going to lead the league in drop backs and pass attempts he's going to be pretty close like 55 pass attempts for Tom Brady here Dwayne the fact we haven't gotten anything close to a boom out of this offense uh, it's been a, it's been mad it's been madness man I remember in week six seven like joking around like oh it's gonna be week 15 weeks 16 like all right guys I know it's been rough but really this is the week the Buccaneers finally catch their stride but it's become a living nightmare man um we got our volume but none of these guys like the fact that again we have this offense condensed around Goblin slightly lesser extent Evans and we have these two pass catching running backs and I think Goblin's the only like must-start guy in the Buccaneers offense
0: yeah he is he's the only one that's the must-start it's it's dude and just The penalties, the untimely penalties. Like, you could just see it kind of all unfolding on Brady's face. Like, you know, Brady doesn't like it when they miss a big play. I kind of felt for Donovan Smith because he gets a lot of holding calls. I think he does believe – I think he leads the NFL in holding calls this year. He's their left tackle. But you could just – like. When I watched Brady after that play, like I just felt like it meant more to him than ever. ever. I think he was basically just like, fuck, can anything go right? And I'm sorry for dropping the F-bomb, but that's basically what I thought, is this guy going, oh, my God, like nothing can go right this year. We can't make a big play. And he's not used to having to deal with that, man. Now, he has had some years where he had to deal with that, you know, with the Patriots, but it's not been what he's been used to since he's been with the Buccaneers. But, yeah, they just don't look the same, and they've not been able to crack the way defenses are now playing. They've just not been able to solve it. Now, the offensive line challenges have also not helped that, right? I mean, they've lost so many good offensive linemen over the course of the season, and it started early. It started in the preseason. Like, so this has been going on all year, and it it just kind of is what it is. But I totally agree. None of them are, are a must start. And even with Godwin, like, it's a wide receiver, too. Like, normally, if you thought, man, you're Brady's number one target getting 10, 10, 9, 11 targets every game, like, that's a wide receiver one, but it's only a wide receiver two in this version of the Buccaneers offense.
1: I know, Dwayne, we like to keep it clean more often than not. And I do think that, you know, using the F word as a filler, like, okay, you know, we can be better than that. But when you see Tom Brady lose by 28 points to Brock Purdy. Yeah. Fuck man. What is this all season? Oh, and then the, yeah. All right. Let's move on here. Panthers 30 Seahawks, 24 Carolina covers as three and a half point dogs over cashes at 44 and a half. So, Man, if you would have told me before today, it's like, hey, Panthers are going to score 30, you know, really move the ball with some consistency. I'd be like, all right, DJ Moore picking up another good game with Darnold. Maybe the backfield's got some clarity. Nope. This is uh, like the Atlanta Falcons pretty much nightmare scenario all over again, where maybe the Panthers can score with some unforeseen consistency down the stretch. I would not bet on it. But guess what? Even if they do. I don't think we can feel confident enough about any of these, you know, snap shares and just pecking orders other than just, you know, throwing a dart at them as wide receiver threes or RB threes goose egg for DJ Moore. Now he was open a couple times, you know, potential 20, 30 yard gain down the seam that uh, the ball was thrown a little bit late. Also potentially open for a four yard score. Darnold couldn't put it on him, but that's kind of life with Sam Darnold. As much as Sam Darnold sadly is a relative upgrade over what's been going on this year, it's not like we were all thrilled to have DJ Moore on the squad last year as well. So, boomer bust, wide receiver three at best. I thought we were getting back there to potential, you know, low end, borderline wide receiver two territory. Not quite, not this year, but even more concerning, Dwayne, is this ever evolving backfield. So, when originally Christian McCaffrey got traded, it was actually Chuba Hubbard as the lead back. He quickly got injured and Deontay Foreman took over and took over. Well, that said, we saw this funky stretch there where they had a Thursday night game and Chuba actually was a little bit banged up. So that was his first game back. And then we had some bad game script these last two weeks following. I mean, this this last week, I guess following their bye, probably the closest thing we've seen to them being at full strength since that original game when Chuba got hurt and Yes, it is leaning in Foreman's favor. And if we can get 21 carries out of the dude, okay, I'd bet on him finding the end zone more times than not. But clearly with Chuba taking some of that pass down work, I mean, accounting for 17 touches in his own right. And oh yeah, we got to get Raheem Blackshear on the field for, you know, 19% of the snaps as well. You know, the basically the equivalent to Kenyon Drake going on in Baltimore over there, it just doesn't make things any easier. Again, for a Panthers offense that. Good on them. I'm also not expecting them to score 30 points per game moving forward. So knowing that they got, let's see, the Steelers, the Lions, the Buccaneers, not exactly, you know, the most dreadful schedule here. Thoughts on Foreman or Hubbard the rest of the way, Dwayne, because I don't see either guy consistently or even getting close to cracking that top 24.
0: It's a boom-bust RB, two. Like, I mean, he came through with the the 21 rushing attempts today, but the Panthers only dropped back to pass 40% of their plays because they were leading in the game. You know, I mean, they, they were ahead pretty much the whole way. I don't remember exactly when the lead started, but most of the game they were leading the Seahawks. Um, you know, Geno had, <clears throat> had a rough kind of first couple of drives that really put, you know, the Panthers behind. So you're going to have other game scripts that don't work out this way, right? And then all of a sudden that 50% of the rushing attempts, which is what he had today, 49%, 33% went, went to Chuba Hubbard. Then it becomes more problematic because then 21 rushing attempts turns into 10. You know, I will say with the Panthers, since Steve Wilkes has taken over, uh, they are the number four most run heavy team and neutral game scripts. So they want to run the ball. They want that to be their identity. And I would too, if my quarterback was, you know, Sam Donald <laughs> or before that, you know, Baker Mayfield or, or PJ Walker, like I get it. I know what they're trying to do. And their defense actually is pretty decent. Like their defense is probably like, if anything, you can at least call it underrated. Like <laughs> it's a scrappy little defensive unit. So I, when I look at this team, I, I'm with you. It's tough to get too excited about it, but I do think Foreman is the only one that you can play. He's still that boom bust. Chuba, I really still don't trust. It was nice. He got a little bit of the passing down work today, but again, in a bad script, like, you know, he gets seven touches on a bad offense right and so I think that's going to be a challenge but it is funny man Chuba Hubbard scores a touchdown Raheem Blackshear scores a touchdown Deonta Foreman can't get a touchdown like he He has 21 carries so
1: he got his chances though they gave him he got down to one yard line they gave him another one and then Chuba managed to uh, reach the ball across yeah Chuba had
0: 70 or had 63 percent of the short down and distance so that could have just been one of those things that just worked out that way today based on you know kind of the question you asked earlier about you know trends with one of the other backfields like hmm. it could have just been more to do with that um but something we can keep an eye on i don't even know if we have to keep an eye on it do you want any Panthers <laughs> what's funny is the panthers could win this division I like know. what it's possible like, <laughs> it's possible like if they win out they win it
1: they'll get a home game <laughs> But now you uh, said, it, like, Brian Burns and that defense, that was why when um, originally the whole, like, tear down the team, that never made sense to me. Like, yeah, you need a quarterback, but there's a lot of teams that need a quarterback. You know, yeah. maybe, I don't know, I guess the Rams were offering two first-round picks for Brian Burns. Maybe that could have been something, a little more discussion, but – the guys they have there now. When, I mean, when do,
0: were those picks on like you know, two
1: thousand twenty nine? Just <laughs> like no Rams don't have any first round picks but I mean the secondary you know, JC Horn had a pick today where he just yeah. timed the Metcalf route absolutely perfectly. I they thought had, he was
0: gonna take that back and he fell at the end. He it was all it was, it was out in front of him.
1: They got some dogs over there in Carolina over to Seattle. Geno Smith, the one guy just continuing to give us some weekly passing production. Got to love it now. Yeah, he had some mistakes out there. Three turnover worthy plays. Don't want to see that. But my goodness, three more touchdowns to the total. Geno Smith now from 2021 to 2022 has 30 passing touchdowns from 2013 to 2020. He had just 29. So I'm with you right there with guys like the Watson right there with Jared Goff, you know, in that even Dak Prescott, all those low end QB ones. Geno certainly deserves to be in that group. And accordingly, Tyrell Lockett, six straight games with a touchdown now. I mean, this dude is poised to clear a thousand yards and/or get ten touchdowns for the fifth season in a row. More goodness out of DK Metcalf. Even Marquise Goodwin has been flashing a little bit here or there. Wouldn't say I'm confident enough to fire him up as anything more than a desperate boomer bust flex. And like we're in the playoffs now, join. I don't think. Come on, we're not starting Marquise Goodwin in the playoffs. I hope, but hey, former track star going out there and making some plays. The big thing to talk about though is what the hell, what the hell, Schefter, my 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 life, Tony Jones out. starter. Come on, man. Like, where did that even come from? It came from Adam Schefter. That's who it freaking came from. But you look at it. 9% snap rate. 91% for Homer. This wasn't wrong. This was yeah, freaking treason. You know what, though? This was a I'll lie. Take
0: I'll take it because it made me bench Homer anywhere that I had a doubt. <laughs> where I had picked him up and thought, well, you know, we'll have to throw him in this week. Like, I just benched him. And he only had 5.4 points. But to your point, Yeah. Homer dominated 91 percent of the snaps, 64 percent route participation, 82 percent of the rushing attempts, 100 percent of the two minute offense, 100 percent of the snaps inside the 10, 93 percent of the long down and distance like Tony Jones had nothing. Yeah, you could not have been more wrong on whoever shared this source should no longer be a source. (laughs) If, in fact, there is one, you know, sometimes I think these source things are kind of funny per source. okay, all right.
1: And, hey, hand up. I did not fall for the Tony smokescreen. I appreciate you keeping me accountable, comments. My answer to the Seattle Seahawks' backfield was no, don't touch it, because I even thought <laughs> we were going to have more guys potentially involved in just Homer and Tony Jones. So, hey, yeah, it's one of those things where, again, I think we just really tend to overhype whatever guy is just in the name. And we should be doing that. Like, it's pretty boring if we just – like, if Dwayne and I just went through every single team and focused on, you know, the top ten player and just talked about how great they were, I don't think we get uh, all that far, yeah. you know, in our fans league so i see why guys like tony jones are the big time players i'm just i want some accountability out there because like that was an atrocious report to say the guy's gonna start and he plays he has two touches in the entire freaking game uh that's one thing i cannot get behind so yeah that sucked uh sounds like dwayne that kenneth walker dj dallas have a chance to get back but i believe it's a short week so i was talking about that according
0: to who pete carroll (laughs) Uh yeah. hey, Chris Carson will also be back. They're gonna re-sign oh him to the God. team and he'll too be back
1: soon. too soon. Please. All right, they play on Thursday night. So let's say yeah, that's Dwayne time. that we have these guys out again. Now they did like, I believe, um uh who is the they signed a random uh Wayne Gallman. That's who they signed Wayne Gallman last week. So maybe that wasn't it was too quick of a turnaround time for him to be active. But I did think that Homer was gonna be the lead back if as long as Kenneth Walker is gonna be out of the picture. snaps. I know it didn't go his way in this one, but that's as elite of a snap rate as we could ask for. Just wasn't a ton of opportunity to go around the backfield. If Walker and DJ Dallas are out ahead of a brutal Thursday night matchup against the 49ers, Homer like low end RB two. Yeah, you could use him. The
0: key is DJ Dallas has to be out too. It can't just be Kenneth Walker because the week before, and look, we've just seen them. We've actually seen DJ Dallas and Homer. We've seen what they want their roles to be. DJ really is, you know, the guy that comes in and handles some of the early down work. Now he handled passing down duties earlier in the season, but only because Travis Homer was injured. Then once Homer came back and was in the fold, he really did take, you know, the passing down work back over. And Dallas just occasionally would spell Kenneth Walker. So I think if we had that scenario back, it probably would be DJ Dallas more in the Kenneth Walker role. Travis Homer more back in the role. And they probably split it a little bit more, right? Than than what you know, Kenneth Walker was getting but it would need to be both of them being out, you know, before I would trust it. And that's a possibility. I mean, neither one of them practiced at all last week. That's what made it so funny to me. It's like DNPs across the board. Oh, uh, you know, we're yeah. Travis, you know, not Travis Homer, uh, DJ Dallas, you know, he's going to be a, a game time call and you know, it's 50 50 that Kenneth Walker's going to play. I'm like, this is, this is complete BS. Like, this is totally, you know, Pete Carroll with the – and I appreciate it. He is a glass-half-full kind of guy. He does this with everything. So it's not like – it's really, it's, in, it's his MO. He does it for all things in life. I don't think it's just injuries. He's one of these guys. He's very positive. I'm sure he pumps you up as a coach. But it's maddening, you know, for fantasy managers. I just always lean to, like, whatever he says, I, like, dial it back by, like, 50%. You know, I always but,
1: prefer Cliff Kingsbury. Tell me everyone's a game time decision. Like, just <laughs> no difference. Yeah. You're not going to give me anything. Uh, Zach Taylor just will refuses to give medical updates on his players nine times out of ten. <sighs> yeah. If he knows something, then tell us. But, yeah, we've been over the Pete to backle plenty of time. But, hey, <laughs> Pete Carroll, obviously, you know, having a nice little year for himself. A lot of people are writing off these Seahawks. So, good job by you from that perspective, Pete. Let's close things out with the Chargers taking down the Dolphins 23 to 17 on Sunday night football covering as three and a half point favorites under cash at 54 and a half. Starting off with the guys that did get the W Justin Herbert, man, one, what are we calling them? Social media throw after another. What What <laughs> has real life football Twitter like never encountered a troll before? Like the amount of attention, this Emmanuel Ocho, Ocho I, I can't say his name. I don't know the amount of attention they give this dude for just like terrible analysis like you're doing exactly what he wants did we just ignore like skip bayless's rise to the top of the industry for the last 20 years <laughs> you can be a troll you can say a lot of crazy shit get people mad at you and if you're able to wake up and go about your day you can probably get a decent media job in the year 2022 because that's how messed up our culture is really high highs really low lows guys just good people clicking more than anything else so if you want to go just spout off nonsense go ahead but man just yeah I don't it's just ridiculous to even pretend like Herbert isn't at a minimum a great quarterback I don't even want to get into it you know uh, obviously plenty of people are already fighting that battle on social media so I don't feel the need to join them but really was incredible to see just seven eight yard throws by Herbert I mean the one where Keenan's pointing at him right after like you could just Mm -hmm. tell that these are throws that you know only so many few people can make so yeah, we can talk about the low average target death. And my comeback to that's always been pretty reasonable. Like who are you going to throw the ball downfield to? Yeah. Mike Williams when he's back and they did throw the ball downfield. Funny how that works, but I really do believe with the, uh, you know, as a receiver, you kind of create your own average target death and their only field stretcher on this team was Jalen Guyton. Who's been out since week three. And even, even him calling him a field stretcher. That's probably being a little bit nice to him. He's yeah. just a backup wide receiver who they throw deep to more at times than not. So With the passing game, Mike Keenan, 12 catches, 92 yards. That's a hell of a Keenan Allen line right there. Yeah, and these guys are healthy. We're feeling great, Dwayne, and we're finally seeing the boom from Herbert where all of his guys, pretty much all of them are healthy, and all of a sudden he's playing some of his best football of the year. Funny how that works.
0: Yeah, man, mid-range QB1 uh, with QB, you know, with high-end QB1 upside. like. uh... It's funny, like for as much as like we go round and round around Herbert, like I honestly, Ian, have never felt the need to make him less than a mid-range QB one, like because honestly, the other part of it is when you look at the rest of the quarterback pool this year, like just like who are you putting over him? (laughs) Like it was always hard to find, like who, like like sure you could make an argument for a Geno, right, a guy like that, um, you know, there for a stretch, but it was always in my mind was like it's just going to be really hard for Herbert to still not finish, you know, as a mid-range. QB one, once he got his weapons back. And I think that's just really what we needed. And, you know, this was the first time all year where we've had both Mike Williams and Keenan Allen finish a game together. I I mean, like it's wild. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think we need to really analyze it much further than that. And I'm with you. We have seen the data research shows that not, not the quarterbacks don't play a role, but the wide receivers do own their average depth of target. And so what was nice, you know, with Mike Williams today. Now, this isn't always the case with Mike Williams and in the Joe Lombardi offense. I do think Joe Lombardi is part of this. I think he's still he's he's running an offense that was designed for Drew Brees. Like, why not like just, you know, run the same concepts, but make everything like two yards deeper, you know, (laughs) and I get it. You got to deal with pass rush and there's timing and all that kind of stuff. But like we saw Mahomes, what he did with Andy Reid's offense when he first took it over. A lot of the concepts were still the same everything was just a little bit deeper, right? And Justin Herbert shows you, like, dude, he's amazing at his ability to buy a little bit of time in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, and still just throw an absolute laser. But what was nice was with Mike Williams tonight – you know, he averaged 19.3 yards per reception. Um, he had six catches for 116 yards. His, you know, obviously, the, the the nice play was the rollout to the right, you know, the throwback over the old John Elway-style throw. Even yeah. Chris Collinsworth called that out. You know, just dropped a dime with pressure coming at him, you know, over the top to Mike Williams on that big 55-yarder. So I, I think it's just simple, man. You've got all these weapons. Mike Williams can help you deep. Austin Eckler is going to nail you underneath Keenan Allen's going to work the middle of the field. He's an absolute nightmare, you know, on third downs. And then Josh Palmer, a guy that I haven't been, you know, really that kind to like has played well over the last three to four games. Like he's starting to change my opinion of him a little bit. Like there's just plenty of weapons here, man. And we haven't even got to Gerald Everett yet. Gerald Everett had eight targets tonight. Like this is a, this is a potentially loaded offense. And so I, I I look forward to it. I want to see Herbert succeed just because I'm honestly, I'm tired of all the same stuff you're talking about. I don't get tied up in the middle of it, but we know Herbert's a good
1: quarterback. Let's just move forward. With Everett, uh, what was the overall tight end usage though? Uh,
0: I don't have it all. I just have eight targets, five receptions, 28 yards. He's been stuck around that 60% route participation. I was kind of trying to keep an eye on him, you know, tonight when I was watching the game. I for whatever reason, like I always watch tight ends. Like I always I'm like, oh, off the field. He's not gonna be over the 80%. Um, but he he was off the field a little bit. My guess is, though it was a little higher tonight. He might have been more like 65, 70 percent. We'll have to see what the data says.
1: Were there some other guys out there? Any names? Uh meow. Trey McKinney? Yeah. I I just wanted you to say Trey McKinney. That was all I was trying to do. I know you did. Well, there was also
0: a Stone Smart.
1: So... We do have stone smart getting some run out there as well. Got to Austin Eckler continuing to do Austin Eckler's things, even found the end zone with a nice little fourth down goal line plunge. He is a strong dude out there, despite, you know, being a little bit smaller in stature. Uh, Chris Collinsworth did know another thing, man, saying he saw Mike Williams in practice like on Thursday or Friday, and he was hobbling around. So don't love hearing that, but you know what? He went out there on Sunday and did his thing. And as we know over the years, Mike has always been, you know, first or second team get banged up, and then go get back out there and keep on keeping on. Dude, falls like a bag of bricks sometimes in those contested (laughs) catches, man. But (laughs) hey, out there tonight, making them and making plays. On their side of things, yeah, hey, I've come on here, I think, been very fair to I think he is a good, the really good... I think he's probably... A really good quarterback in a fantastic scheme with incredible wide receivers. And because of that, you're getting a season not all that dissimilar to what Alex Smith had when he was with Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs. Shout out to former PFF GOAT Kevin Cole for originally, I think, coining the Alex Smith to a comparison for this season. I get it. Probably not the you know craziest uh, thing to go to with Tyreek Hill changing teams. But that's who he is. That said, Dwayne. This was easily his worst performance of the season. Maybe it's just a Sunday night thing. I looked it up, and only this game and the Pittsburgh Steelers game are the only uh, oh, Sunday no. night games has ever played. He just can't – he's waiting all day for Sunday night, and he, he can't Duke handle Kirk it.
0: Cousins on our I mean, hands?
1: a Uh-oh. new Kirk cousins. Wow. Two and on faithful is not going to like that, but with two, a man again, just 10 of 28 on the day. That's the only stat you need to hear. I mean, it was like three of 17. We had like an Austin three-sixteen type of situation going on. And that's not good when we're talking about your quarterback's completions and attempts. Luckily, one of those went for a 60 yard touchdown to Tyree kill. And guess what? Tyree kill. Thanks to being the fastest freaking human on the field. If not playing earth also scoop and scored a random ass fumble <laughs> from Jeff Wilson <laughs> and found crazy. his way to, the end zone that was absolutely insane so Tyreek unfortunately did suffer an ankle injury in the second half and he was getting it iced a lot but I don't even think he missed any actual time with it other than the random player two. he was back back on the field uh, more times than not I guess at the end he was sitting a little bit more though Dwayne yeah, yeah
0: they were definitely managing it you know it was, it was almost like every like third player something he was taking off kind of like the old Julio Jones treatment we used to mm. see back in
1: the day yeah, Tyreek's been a serial abuser of that as well over the years, but he really does miss actual games, so we will take it. So a disappointing game for Jalen Waddle, disappointing game for Tua, but again, I think we've seen more than enough to continue to trust these guys the rest of the way. Big news could be in the backfield where Jeff Wilson suffered a hip injury and got ruled out, carted back to the locker room. Didn't seem, I mean, again, I was joking that Dwayne Bobbs was for the show, like, when we see there's a difference between someone not being able to like stand up on the field and getting carted and then like, Hey, this is going to take a bit. Maybe you just want to get on the cart because he suffered a hip injury. Probably shouldn't be taking extra steps if we can help it. I don't know how long Jeff Wilson is going to be out. If he is though, Dwayne, we've seen this offense all year long, really not having any inclination to use Sal- Salvin Ahmed or Miles Gaskin behind either Mostert or Jeff Wilson. So, I believe they got the Bills next week. Not a layup, albeit we have seen this, you know, a little more banged-up version, bomb middle less version of the Bills' defense not be quite as formidable. If Jeff Wilson is out, how high are you willing to go in the ranks with Raheem Mustard?
0: He'll be in the RB2 conversation. Um, The problem with this running game is it just hasn't really looked good outside of a couple of games, you know, and the offensive line has not really looked good. Um, you know, this is a scheme that is supposed to kind of look like on the ground. Like they use a lot of the concepts from the 49ers and it just doesn't look anything like it, to be honest. And they're trying to get creative. Like they 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 run these inside, you know, um, plays where they look like a toss to begin, like just to kind of give, the, give everything a little bit more time to set up. They're using a fullback. They're trying a lot of the same concepts that you see, you know, with the 49ers, but it's just they just haven't been able to get it going. But you're going to be in a top scoring offense. Potentially as you know, seventy to eighty percent, you know, of the snaps. That means Mostert's going to be viable. And the thing we haven't seen yet, really, from Mostert this year is we just we haven't seen him breaking the long plays. Ian, we got used to seeing that. We th- saw it in the preseason this year, even with Miami. I remember early, like watching him turn the corner. I'm like, oh man, like Mostert still got it. If he happens to need to be out there and play a lot, it's. Potentially, you know, he's going gonna to be able to score some fantasy points. But we just haven't seen that. We haven't seen the long runs, haven't seen the consistency. But usage, plays in a good offense. Like, obviously, he's going to be in that RB2 conversation. Going to be hard, though, to get him as anything. I don't know, probably max. Like, what are you thinking? Like, RB15, 14, somewhere in there is probably like the top end of the range. That I'm guessing probably more mid than that.
1: They do get the Packers in two weeks at home. That's probably the one that I could see going a little bit on the higher end of things, yeah. but especially for the Bills. Ooh, another prime time prime game time t- Saturday night. Tua cousins, man. Ooh, this could be this could be problematic. <laughs> we'll see if the uh, if the cousins curse persists here for Tua. That is going to wrap up another edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Everyone, we'll be back for two more of these. Dwayne and I will have you guys covered going into it. We're covering you in the week 15. We'll cover you going to week 16. We'll cover you going to week 17. We will not cover you going to week 18. If you have a fantasy championship in week 18, that is your fault. We'll probably still do. I can't speak for Dwayne, he's doing a ton of stuff that you got to pay a ton of money for over at MB Fantasy Life. We'll <laughs> talk about it in a second there. PFF, love the rankings. We have some good data. DFS Christmas. You know, I'm not quitting football, but you guys know how it is 365 days a year over here. But come on, it's just like kicker content. I can't morally get behind a week 18, you know, season long championship. So I refuse to do it. But, Dwayne, I know you guys have a different strategy. So I'll let people know where they can go purchase your product, whatever it is.
0: Yeah, you can purchase it all for free over oh at FantasyLife.com. life.com. Wow. Yeah. You can get the newsletter. Just go to FantasyLife.com. Make sure you sign up. get it every morning. Just nice five, 10 minutes, you know, of easy reading. You know, who doesn't want to start their day reading about football? It gets you in a better mood. Like you're probably going to have a better day at work, right? You're probably going to perform better. You might even get a raise. Like, and you're just think you're going to, your mind's going to be at rest because you can get in there. You can make the waiver wire move, whatever it is you need to do before the rest of your league mates do. You can just rest easy. It's just, it's just better. Like it's a stress-free life. You know, whenever you have the newsletter, Ian, so yeah, you got to go check it out. Obviously we've got a YouTube channel. You guys can look at rankings, tiers, utilization, all that's over at fantasylife.com. You can check it out on the website. And lastly, yes. To make sure you understand it is free. Oh, thank God.
1: Just, Hey, I'm just I'm try, I'm trying to help out the loyal listeners of the PFF fantasy football. Hey, in this party. economy <laughs> in this, in this economy, indeed. All right, everyone. I'll be back on Tuesday with my guy, Nathan Yonke going over some waivers and I'll try to cook up some other fun shit to talk about. You guys know how it goes. So for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF fantasy football podcast. And Until next time, take care, everybody.